way, people. Awesome. Why don't you give yourselves a hand, New Zealand? I say New Zealand because you represent what is best about this nation. So put your hands together. Give yourselves a hand. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Uh, welcome, Wellington. Welcome to those who've come from all around the country to be here today. As you've seen from our opening speaker, we are here to put on trial the government of this nation. Before we do that, I want to give a bit of context, and I'd like to invite our first speaker up, first of all, to give you a context as to why we are here today. We've come on a bit of a journey, haven't we? Who's come on a bit of a journey? Gone through hell and come back, still standing, still smiling. Give it up. I'm giving you guys a special mention because... Back in October, when your city became the largest concentration camp in the country, our Prime Minister locked you down. Locked you down. Locked the South Island down as well. But there was a man who decided to stand up and speak up, even when the city was on lockdown. When you get locked down, you don't keep your mouth shut. You stand up and you speak up for what is right. And this man stood and wanted to stand with a few other people as well. But as you heard at Civic Square, others who were invited to stand, when they realized the threat that was imposed upon them by the police, decided that they would rather not stand. In spite of that, this man decided, I will still stand and I will instigate 
across the country a national protest platform, a united national protest platform. Let me make that quite clear. You know, he stood against even his family's wishes to stand that day. I wouldn't want my dad to stand up there and put his own freedom and livelihood at risk, but he did that. And you know the reward that came with that. For standing up and holding a mic in your hand to exercise your free rights as a proud New Zealander, he got 10 days in prison. I'm not just talking about 10 days in prison. I'm talking about 10 days in solitary confinement. Isolating him from a prison population. What were they afraid of? That he would infect a population of prisoners on how to believe in themselves, how to back themselves, how to know their true identity, their true power, how to stand up with courage and to fight for themselves. You know what, ladies and gentlemen, even the high court of the judge, when it got to the high court, conceded that it was wrong for him to have been in prison for the thing that he did. But you know what? The crown would not give up. And they said, we don't want this man just to go scot-free. We're not happy about that. And so you know what happened? 78 days, not just free to walk around on the streets, but 78 days under 24-hour house arrest. 24-hour house arrest while we have true criminals that are running rampant in this nation. That gives you an example of how things have turned upside down. But I tell you what, folks, by then it was too late. The protest movement that was started on that day has progressed and spread right throughout the country. 160 united, organized protests later. This man was able to unite a front of amazing men, might I say, courageous men and still courage, and men right throughout the nation, myself included. And I tell you what happened. Under that united leadership, look what happened throughout the cities of this nation. From the far north in Whangarei, Auckland, Hamilton, Tauranga, Whakatane, Rotorua, Gisborne, Hastings, New Plymouth, Wellington, Nelson, Christchurch, and I'll throw in there Dunedin as well. That's the united protest movement that was instigated to provide a platform of expression for every free New Zealander. I'm grateful that this man's sacrifice didn't just talk the talk. A lot of people can talk the talk about freedom. That's right, just like those politicians. But few people can walk the walk. And so I'm grateful to this man for sacrificing his own freedom and livelihood. So if there are any dissenting voices amongst us, it's time to cut it out. we got no more time for division. You know what now leadership is? Look behind you and see who is following you. Time to look towards that. The most powerful voice in this nation is not the voice of our politicians. I thought they were our politicians. It's not the voice of the police. It's not the voice of the judiciary. They all shut us out. They shut you out. The most powerful voice in this nation 
is the people. But has anyone bothered to ask us? No one has bothered to ask you. So here we are to stand today. I want to honor you, Brian Tamaki, the founder of the Freedom and Rights Coalition, for the united platform that you have established for every New Zealander, every New Zealander to stand up and give expression to the life and the best life that they want in the most beautiful country in the world. I am looking forward to what you're going to bring to us today for the hope that's going to come. So please put your hands together and welcome the founder of the Freedom and Rights Coalition, Brian Tamaki. Hello, New Zealand. I've got sunglasses on, not because God is shining the sun on us after many days of rain and flooding. It's appropriate that we have this beautiful day. I have really got my sunglasses on because a couple of tears fell out of my eyes. Um, tears for our nation. Tears for those who had great loss in the last two and a half, three years of the tyranny of this government who forced people, did not lead, was not kind, and did not consider the outcomes that would be on the nation that trusted her and her government and parliament to work for us and not against us. But anyway, before I speak a little bit for you and we get underway and have this long awaiting court session, I want to just welcome somebody and thank you very much, Heka, uh, for that wonderful um, introduction. It was an um, incredibly torrid time, very taxing. I don't think a lot of people really realized um, what we, my wife, Hannah, and our family actually went through to just stand <coughs> and attend a peaceable, legal protest. And then I wasn't to know that the most dangerous weapon in this country is not guns, bullets, bombs, knives, or even yep. wayward politicians' mouths. It was actually a mic in the hand of people who believe that we deserve better. So I want to give my wife a couple of minutes. She's the one that's had to be the jailer at my home. And when I was in 24-hour curfew, the police said that they would just turn up randomly. And if I wasn't found at home, I'd be straight back in prison. So um, <clears throat> here she is. I want you to put your hands together for a beautiful lady, Hannah. Oh, tēnā koutou katoa. No mai, hare mai. It's so wonderful to have you here, and isn't it a glorious day? I think people thought we were going to get um, thunderstorms and rain, but we're so thankful for the beautiful weather that's come and for the beautiful people that you all are. I just want to know who I send my invoice to for 72 days of being a jailer. It was not easy. He was not an easy prisoner, I tell you that. 
Sometimes he was fun and sometimes he was not. Um, and the other thing is, for all of you that were able to go to every other protest, good on you. You practiced your, your right to attend peaceful protests. I salute you. We were not able to be here. We had the police come to our house to make sure that he was home. Um, and, uh, you know, a few things. But reality is we, we're here. And I want to say this. We were here 18 years ago to the day standing for families. We had our three married children here and we had four grandchildren. Today we have 10 grandchildren and three great grandchildren. We are not the sort of people that grow weary in doing the right things and doing good. And there is no way we will allow our children, our grandchildren and our great grandchildren to fight the fights that we are capable of fighting for. So for the parents out here, for the grandparents, and I know there are great grandparents here today, I want to say thank you for your courage. Thank you for your aroha. Thank you for the people that you are and the family that you encouraged and supported. I also want to say for those that are unvaxxed and vaxxed, we are the same people. There is no segregation in that. We are one people. We will always be one people. Don't let people say we class ourselves differently. We do not. I'm not going to talk much longer, but all I want to say is I really respect your stands. I must admit he was a hard prisoner, but unconditional love did kick in many, many times. And um, he was biting at the bit to be here. Those times he was not able to. It was a restraint but self-discipline. But today is a free day, a day of freedom, a day that we will remember, a day that we will celebrate. So thank you again from the depths of our heart and our beings. God bless you all. All right. Uh, Mr. Speaker of the House, Trevor Mallard, you just lost your job. That lady ought to be your replacement. Okay, <clears throat> I've just got a little few minutes they've given me, and then we'll get on to the real stuff. I just want to bring a, a bit more highlight to what Hannah said, that 18 years ago, 18 years ago, her and I and thousands of others came to this very parliamentary grounds. And that day we came here because we had to stand up to protect our families, our children, and our grandchildren's future, as Hannah said. Because even way back 18 years ago, it's got almost come into two decades. I was facing the Prime Minister then, the Honourable Helen Clark. And in that day, I can distinctly remember coming here and <clears throat> it was called Enough is Enough. Isn't it amazing, ironic, that we're standing here 18 years later and having to say the same three words. Enough is enough. That tells you a whole lot because when we started back there, we were doing it for my son and my two daughters. Now, as Hannah said, 10 grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. That's my son over there with the enough is enough on it. And then my son-in-law and my daughters here and my extended family having to stand and come to the place 
that's supposed to be protecting us, not punishing us. That I had to stand here with thousands of others to just protect our family from what I believe began the beginning of a government that just started to go rogue, decided to turn our nation into something else that we did not want and something else that doesn't belong in this country. This is not the nation I grew up in. This is not the New Zealand I remember where we had freedoms, where we had our individual rights, that we weren't restricted and controlled and intruded upon and interfered, least of all the government. And yet it's happened. I, I can recall, and I remember that statue, and I was standing here, and they, they were, out, were allowed up here those days. It was fairly relaxed because there wasn't the tension, the frustration, and the anger. So you can understand after 18 years, they have not changed course. They have continued the far-left liberal agenda, seeped into our country overnight from somewhere. Helen Clark was the instigator. And when I was standing here that day, I was told by a good friend that I have here that worked with the Labour government that she was up there looking out as they are now. Uh, in fact, they've blacked it all out, I understand. They've blacked all the windows out. Put this up. It's like, when, when, when does a government hide itself inside the building we own and we, the people, are out here? You would think. <laughs> Go on. Yeah, that's deserved. You deserve it. This parliament. How can you have a healthy nation if your parliament is very sick? Why would the politicians that we voted in, 120 House representatives, that's what you are, representatives, not for your parties, not for your political flavour, not for parliament. You are representatives for the people. You know, you've got to put your hands together and acknowledge that there are some tough Kiwis out here. On the way here, and uh, thousands more wanted to be here, but they're trapped in the South Island. Not only by the floods and all the weather that came, but somehow they decided, the transport minister, I guess, and I think that's Michael Wood, the river of filth man. <laughs> the only river of filth I know. <laughs> he's the transport minister, I think. If I got it wrong, doesn't matter. You guys do that to us, so here's some payback. Somehow the ferries crossing had to be serviced for 24 hours. So those South Islanders who battled road detours that took them an extra seven hours, I mean, talk about democracy in a free country. And so they, they couldn't get across. Many of them got trapped. So all our South Island brothers that couldn't make it today, we're standing for you. Now, hold on a minute. You know, if I was the South Island, I'd start declaring itself an independent state. If you so want to cut us off and cut the ferries off, 
well, you might as well do it alone, South Island. You'd probably do far better because you were locked down for two years and you didn't have a single case of COVID. That's nothing to do with health. <laughs> oh, I'm going to enjoy a little bit more. Can I have five minutes, please, speaker? And so in the, in the North Island, when there was people wanting to travel down, these are not, these are not fruitcakes, weirdos, you know, the fringe element. These are everyday hardworking Kiwis here. And that's what I am too. You know, shame on our media that go out and start beginning to categorize us and, and tubbyhole us and say we're this and call you that conspiracy theorist. And you know, the wacky edge. I've been in this country for 64 years. I've worked hard all my life. I've got a farming background. I had my own business in forestry. I'm a musician. I was a great rugby player. And I played league and, and rugby, and I did well and represented rugby. And I, I had the Mark II Zephyr. That was the car of the day, Mark II Zephyr. And I'd carry my crate of Waikato. Yes, sir, the Waikato beer in the back. Some young people won't know what I'm talking about. Those are the days that we're free and young. We could go and fly like an eagle. We used to drink water out of the tap then, and we're all alive today. We used to leave our cars unlocked on the streets and nobody converted our cars. We used to leave our, leave our windows and our front door and back door open, the whole neighborhood, the neighborhood and the extended family whanau. That was the police force then. We all looked after each other. Kids can play into the dark and we all got home safety without being molested or abducted. Nobody shot guns in our houses and bullets. The only guns we had is a farming family and everybody, every farmer had a shotgun and a 303 at the front door. And there was never anybody getting shot. In those days, the only thing you shot was rabbits, possums, and cows. <laughs> That's farmers, mate. I'm all for farmers. Put your hand up and clap for the farmers. But you know, you know what? That life's gone. I don't necessarily say let's get back to New Zealand we had. I want to see a new New Zealand created. A better one than what we had before this COVID came. 120 House representatives in the last protest, I wasn't here. I was on my way down, but the police warned me from here in Levin. I got to Levin. The three of the guys driving me down, they said, uh, told me, my lawyer told me, if I came down here, I'd be immediately arrested. I said, carry on, boys. They said, no. They turned back and took me home. Probably was a wise decision. But I want to say to you that that moment was a critical moment in the history of our country and in the fate of this house behind me. It got to a point, and whatever you thought of the protesters or the protests, that's irrelevant to what I'm about to say. At one point, and we started that message way back in October when we first started, I was always anti-mandates, anti-coercion and forcing people to take some medical procedure or be threatened to lose your livelihoods. Who would have dreamed that New Zealand would ever got to that position and place? But this is what happened. And you know, it's important to realize that one in three Kiwis 
at the height of the protest movement working from October 21 to March this year to the unfortunate violent end, I want to say something to you. It was not just in the minds and the hearts of those that are called protesters, I call you people. We had to protest. But in our country, there are one in three New Zealanders, one in three. I don't do too well on mass, but I think that's about 1,700,000. I'll take that figure. The media always fudge numbers. 1.7 million Kiwis. Actually, even though it was tentative and they did it from the safety of their houses or their workplaces or the privacy of their bedroom, they said they agreed. They agreed with our message. They agreed with our stand at that point that the mandates must stop. It's damaging our country. It's wrecking our economy. And it's making us into a people that we don't want to be. One in three. At that moment, like today, and Prime Minister, Labour, National, Act, Māori and Greens, you need to hear this. You don't want to make the same mistake twice. That at that point, at least one, just one, that was the moment that a backbencher could have been a hero who would have put a statue of him or her next to that one. If one politician had the courage to come out and stand because they know they represent the people before towing a party line, we didn't vote you in there to knuckle down and be bullied into towing a party line when the people are demanding that you, you come and you listen to who, who employs you, who pays you. You come out there and you are supposed to be representing your constituents, your electorate, the people of New Zealand. It tells you how outdated Parliament is. This political or this politics here in this Parliament is irrelevant to the needs of the progress that people have made over these years. And that's the problem. We've got people who want to live, who want to fulfill their potential, but we have an outdated Parliament. This is what happened. Jacinda Ardern you know what I'm talking about. It's no use going to the Official Information Act because apparently your members have been told not to write stuff in paper. So we, the public, can't get your devious dealings in behind closed doors so that we can get this all later and really get you to the international court, which we're heading to. Now, you've got to understand that was a critical moment in the history of New Zealand politics and this nation. So what Jacinda did, I've no doubt with Hipkins, Robertson, and others who were involved in this, they put together a cross-party agreement. Labour put it together. Now watch this. They sent it across to the Speaker of the House. He's the real the bully of all bullies. And Trevor Mallard, 
who's effective at bullying, went to Luxton of National Party, Seymour, who's supposedly been a freedom banner for us and there, but he ain't, of ACT, and the Māori Party, and of course the Greens. And they said, this is from Labour, this is a cross-party agreement that you will agree with and sign, that you will not let any of your MPs go out that door to speak to the people of New Zealand. Now, right there is hanging by a hair. If democracy wasn't quite dead in our country, it's about to die. They signed it. Luxton signed it. Seymour signed it. Māori Party signed it. And the Greens signed it. The moment they signed it, they were all signing their political death warrant. Even if you love ACT, even if you want to vote for National because you had enough of Labour, that's a bad move. Māori Party and Greens, they all... Do you know what opposition means? By the way, that's the biggest beneficiaries in the country is the opposition because they're not even government, they're unemployed officially. So we're paying them a big smack of money, the taxpayers' money to the opposition. Opposition means, in, in political terms and, and, and understanding that in political relationships, the opposition is supposed to oppose the government for the people. Now, we were a hurting nation. We were a wounded nation. We have been through two and a half years of hell, Jacinda. You ripped families apart. People's businesses were collapsed. Over 60,000 jobs. You mandated frontline workers like nurses, GPs, and the midwives. And you also destroyed our education system. Then it's not enough then, and you told the farmers, we're going to regulate beyond reasonability. So our farmers are suffering. That's not enough too. She's gone after our firefighters. And now undervaluing, underpaying them. Government doesn't even pay for a service that keeps fires out of our cities, towns and houses and anywhere else. But that's not enough. I've got some more Fs for you. <laughs> she decided to mess with our freedoms. So it's not just farmers and firefighters. It's also our families and our freedoms. She messed and split up families with a vaccine apartheid. We were now defined by a liquid in a little container. You're either vaxxed and unvaxxed. I've always been pro-choice and I respect the choice of the vaxxed. You are our friends. You're not our enemies. And as Hannah said, the vaxxed and the unvaxxed have both been lied to. And so when they signed that agreement, at that point of moment, democracy was completely killed, the fate of that parliament, and hear me, New Zealand, because I know it's not just here. We have a huge support base out there in the country of New Zealand that couldn't be here today, and they, they wanted to be here, but there are more people for us 
that actually is for them. So we can't vote for anybody in that parliament. Now Luxton and Act and all of the others of the opposition are going around after taking away your freedoms and your rights and seeing us badly damaged through the bad policies of this government. Now they're coming back saying, vote for me. And I want to put this clearly out to mainstream New Zealand. And I'll talk about it when I finish just in a sec. I want to tell you now, you cannot vote for anybody in this. And you probably say, well, who can we vote for? Well, I'm going to bring you good news today. We don't have to put up with what they did to us. So the opposite, definitely Labour hasn't been supporting this country. He's a prime minister who says, he said, she said this, I will be the prime minister for all. Jacinda, you said all Kiwis. You would be the prime minister for us as well. We're hardworking, midstream, middle families, maybe under and over. There's a mixture of all sorts of people here. We're not fruitcakes. We're not extremists. I'm not an extremist. My evidence of my fruit and my work I've done in this country speaks for itself. I'm a father, a grandfather, a husband, and a great-grandfather. I've worked hard all my life, and I've seen my country go down the gurgler. You said you'd be our Prime Minister. I'm going to ask you, why don't you come out and show face today? And I know you're here. Ask the Minister of Police, Hipkins, to come. Ask the Minister of Police, Chris Hipkins, to come with you. Because a few years ago, the police, the Minister, Chris Hipkins, he actually was here protesting in these grounds. You want to you hear this? He was protesting the Minister of Police in these grounds. That's cool. They sat in, they had their reason why they protested, and it's a right. But they were charged and arrested. But later on, he received mercy through the court system, and he was discharged. So, Connor, I'm asking... <laughs> I still got my charges, Chris. And probably what you did was worse than I did because all I did was speak like this at a protest that I'm allowed to be at and you charged me and I got these charges and I kept getting charges because I'm not guilty. When are you guilty attending a protest and speaking? So I want you to tell the Central Police Station in Auckland to drop all charges against me and my men. And my wife's got charges on her too. You better, I'll come back here 50 times stronger. And you will not, will remove the concrete bollards because this is owned by the people, the public place. We are not wreckers, we are not violent, we never have been, you guys know it. So I expect you, as I wind this up, that you would come out, Jacinda. One politician should come out. No politicians came out before. Now, I decided, and I'm going to be honest with you, I decided we need to do something about this because there is not a good political platform that represents a large percentage, and it tells me there's about 50% in this country now that want this government gone. 
Now we've got a weak opposition, got a very weak opposition. They're lame. They flip-flop. They piddle around. We don't want any more career politicians running our country. I don't want any more power-hungry people on the list who've got no skills and don't know what they're doing. A kindergarten teacher ends up running and being the minister of police. That is crazy. So we've created this, and I've got together, and I've been working hard with some good people, and we've now established an umbrella party called Freedoms in New Zealand. And it's about to be registered with the Electoral Commission. Now, here's the miracle they said that you couldn't have. Could you unite the small parties? And I thought, yes, that's something I can do. I'm not standing personally myself. But this is something that I could do. I believe I could use what talent and gifts. And there's a whole lot of people in this country right now who could do a far better job than a lot of those people in here. And, and so it's, it's registered. But we now have three parties, three good parties that have made a commitment. Two are here today. One is in London. Two have signed a memorandum of agreement that totally committed the third one's just finally getting the sign-off and approval from their people and their board, but they've given the thumbs up. So that's three good parties that have already committed in uniting to fight for what is right, to bring a whole new era of politics. We need a new election. We need a new government. And so the people of New Zealand, it's out. I won't say the names right now. Well, I could do if you want. Do you want to? All right. The first one is the New Nation Party. The second one is Vision New Zealand, which polled. The third one is the Outdoors and Freedom Party with Sue Gray. As I said, Sue and her team are still getting the final things together but we're quite certain that's a sign-off. We have two other parties that are also talking and are very interested. So I'd imagine, you know, as the year rolls on, this is going to be a very powerful political platform. <clears throat> we, want, we want you to be represented. We need a decentralised government and get it back into the communities on the ground. But that's all I can say about that. Um, I would love you to, uh, as soon as you see it come up online, to begin to join us. I, with all my heart, I'm telling you, I've been around for a while and I've supported National and I've voted Winston, New Zealand first. But, you know, now I have no confidence in making these mistakes for my children and grandchildren's future. I want something that's sound, that's going to be for the people, has great policies, is going to enshrine the Bill of Rights into supreme law status to protect our individual rights. And this will never happen again. I actually want to call out the Democracy New Zealand Party and also the New Conservatives. You need to join the umbrella of hope and get under it. So I'm putting that call out to, to both of those. You know who I'm talking about. And who knows? Anybody else? If New Zealand First, I know Winston gave us this, but you know, there's people out there with New Zealand First who probably feel like us. They, they resonate with what we believe about our country. 
Okay, thank you so very much. You've given me a bit more space. And I, I want to say, I just, love, I just love the freedom community. And I love those New Zealanders and those Kiwis who are believing for a better country. They don't like the direction this country's going in. I, I love you with all my heart. I thank you so much for supporting Hannah and I. Yeah, we take a lot of stuff. I'm not going to start on the mainstream media. Oh, you'll keep. But Sharma, Dr. Sharma drama, I understand he's been expelled. He's now an independent MP. Now, hold on. Here's a message for you, Dr. Sharma. You probably heard this, or you may be still thinking about what you're going to do with your future. I would say you need to give me a call. <laughs> well, as they say, the more the united, divided. Ah, oh, you're too good. Okay. Helen Clark said up in the window, the man that was working for them had a conversation with me. And I was speaking like this and she said, and three people down from him was a young Jacinda Ardern. And Helen said, that man is dangerous. That's 18 years ago. Well, I fulfilled your prophecy, Helen, wherever you are. She said to me I'd go away. I told her she would be finished soon because she's been voted in. And if I can say this, please, with all respect to your beliefs, God put me in this position. That's my calling. So I said, you'll be out with a shout soon because people vote you in and they'll vote you out. I'll be still here. Well... Heidi da, Helen, she went, <laughs> and I was still here. Jacinda, you will be voted out, and same with all of Labour and all of National and ACT, you'll be voted out. But guess what? Brian Tamaki will still be in his same job. Thank you very much. God bless you. This will oh, be comes, a government for all New Zealanders. This will be a government for all New Zealanders. Effective immediately, we will move to alert level three, move to level four. As a government. Okay, welcome everybody. If you're just joining us, uh, Brian Tamaki has just left the stage. Um, it's very busy down there in Wellington. They have finished their walk from Civic Square to the Parliament grounds um, and things are well underway. We're just getting ready for the People's Court. We've got the team down there on the ground um, getting some great pictures. We're also feeding in the Freedom and Rights Coalition stream, which uh, we're very grateful for so that we can bring you um, 
not only that solid stream from the speaker's stage, but also um, our own cameras there on the ground. So is there um, speeches going on? Was that just Jacinda Ardern's voice that I heard? Were they playing a speech? I couldn't quite hear that. Should we listen for some more audio? It put a lot more stress on me than... That it should have. At 4.45, he was finally picked up and driven the 209 kilometres to Tauranga Hospital. Brad got just two hours with his dad before being driven back to MIQ, arriving at 1am. Seven hours later, he was released just to drive back to Tauranga Hospital. Unfortunately, we cannot open again for four weeks. So just letting you all know, as I've been here for an hour, and maybe the phone's rang about 20 times just asking us. Yes, yeah, so will you, in yeah, this country, okay, um, have sanctions against people who don't take... So we're just going to come back for commentary. Um, of course, if you are new to this channel, welcome to Counterspin Media. My name's Hannah Spira, and uh, we've got Calvin Elk down there on the ground in Wellington. I am in the studio. We are waiting for this court case to get underway. It looks like that is the judge who's taking his place. And they... Uh, no, it's not Calvin. Calvin. <laughs> um, I'm actually not sure who they've got as the judge. Um, it sounds like they're playing some audio mainstream media. Um, I just want to make a couple of comments about Brian's speech. It was good uh, to hear him bringing up the fact that Chris Hipkins, yes, uh, in 2009 was issued an apology for a protest that he did 12 years before that as a, as a student. Um, Minister Hipkins, along with uh, 40 other students at the time, they were uh, arrested and they were trespassed from Parliament grounds. And they were actually um, collectively given $150,000 in compensation, with uh, Minister Hipkins receiving $5,000 himself. And Brian calling for the same uh, needing to happen to him and his boys and his wife, I would suggest to go further. All the whole entire. Um, was it 120 or 160 people that were arrested earlier in the year uh, in February? They all need to be compensated, um, including Winston Peters for his um, his trespass notice that he received. But I think they've dropped that uh, along with a number of other ones. So, uh, yeah, let's see what happens there. Also, maybe it'll take another decade, but I think it will. Um, you hang in there, and if you were trespassed, then you will, uh, I believe, be compensated and you'll be able to take a case. Welcome and of course the, the New Nation Party, party Vision Party and Outdoors and Freedom Party all coming in under this umbrella party that Brian Tarmac working. So let's go back court. and see what's happening outside Parliament you have been summoned as this People's the Court the people gets underway. And the New Zealand Government. This is a criminal case under the structure of the International Criminal Court. This case has been brought by the plaintiffs, the people of New Zealand. Who will, we, who will be represented by Prosecutor Hecker Robertson. The defendant is the New Zealand Government. As yet, they have chosen not to attend court and have not provided representation. They do, if they do not show, we will only hear from the prosecution today. The charge brought against the defendant is crimes against humanity, as detailed in the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court. Specifically, 
Article 7, 1K. Inhumane acts intentionally causing great suffering or serious injury to body, mental or physical health. This is a serious charge. As the jury, your responsibility is to listen carefully to the accusations being made and the first-hand experiences of the witnesses. And after this, I will briefly recess the court for you to deliberate and then will require your decision as to whether the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt of the crime that has been claimed. Jury, I thank you for your service today. I now invite the prosecutor to present his opening statements. Court is now in session. Thank you. Thank you, Your Honour. Your Honour, from 2020 to 2021 and 2022 in almost every area of society, this government has continuously failed to uphold its responsibility to its people. Like a financial sooth, its irresponsible decision-making has been draining New Zealand of resource. It has emptied taxpayer coffers as it implements inhumane policies in an effort to boost its own reputation on the international political stage. It locked out Kiwis from their own country at a time when they needed home the most. It left New Zealand businesses bleeding out, many with little chance of survival if they hadn't already died. And the hopes and dreams of hard-working everyday Kiwis lay steaming in its wake. New Zealand, Your Honour, is wounded and hurting, and the abuser is its own leadership. Shortly, Your Honour, I will invite a number of witnesses to the stand, and they will provide evidence of how the inhumane acts of the New Zealand government over the COVID-19 health response period have affected them personally. These accounts are confronting, but they show the brutality, the inhumanity that is the true representation of this covenant. Today, these witnesses will show you and the jury will prove beyond reasonable doubt that the New Zealand government is guilty of crimes against humanity for inhumane acts affected on its own people. Thank you, Prosecution. Uh, I now invite you to call your first witness to the stand. Thank you, Justice Southey. The United Nations called domestic violence the shadow pandemic. Contributing factors included the stress of lockdowns, housing insecurity, financial stresses due to income loss and unemployment, and people's isolation from their support systems. And in New Zealand, we were not exempt from this. Prior to COVID, in 2019, Your Honour, there were 151,609 reported cases, domestic violence cases. That rose to 165,039 in 2020 as these restrictions were implemented. And at the height of the government's COVID measures in 2021, that number increased to over 172,000 cases of domestic violence. And those are just the ones that are reported. I now invite the first witness to the stand, Hazel Tukuriri. Hazel, 
you're a witness to the claim that this government has acted inhumanely against its own people. Can you please tell the jury about what, has, what it was like to parent your children during the government's COVID-19 health response period? Sure. Kia ora, everyone. My name's Hazel Tukariri. Um, I just wanted to start off introducing myself and just being a voice for so many wahine out there and men that, that had their voice taken away. Um, I was born and bred in Mangere and currently live in Manurewa. So right on the thick of what I'm about to speak about, my, um, my husband, he hails from the far north, from Kaitaia, and was raised in Bluff. So I'm speaking to anyone in between those towns. Um, that's all of New Zealand right now. So I'm going to um, set the tone and, and call it all about domestic violence. So for me and my family, my whanau, I'm a mother of 11. Uh, me and my husband have 11 children. And I'm proudly fully unvaxxed. So when our country went into this craze of lockdown, it was so daunting on me and my whanau. Uh, we, we have a housing house and we stay in Manurewa. So for our family being so big, What went on in my head and my husband's head was anxiety and worry and fear if any of our children get sick, any of us get sick, that we could all die, because that's what the government told us. So we, we did lock our kids up. We wouldn't let them play outside. We wouldn't let them out the gate, because that's what the government told us to do. Not, not to associate with anybody else. So we, in, we live in a, um, a two-story home with quite odd, there's a, a one bedroom upstairs. And so me and my husband, we told our kids that that's where they will be staying until this lockdown is over. You can imagine the pressure our kids were under and us as parents, being we're very overprotective parents, and we just didn't want a germ or anything to come near our children because this is what we were told. We were fooled. And we would sanitise the grounds, do, you know, extreme things as parents. Sanitise our shoes as we went up. I was a shopper. I went up the road. And during this time, it caused so much stress and frustration to our tamariki and to us. Every time someone exited the house, there was a karaki about that whether or not they're going to bring home COVID and the anxiety I had being the, the person doing the shopping, I'm going to make all my kids sick. And that stand that I took to not be vaccinated, when the vaccination came around, the peer pressure that put on us as well. Let alone finances, I don't have to explain that with the, the amount of children I had, I have. So let's talk about um, the violence, that, that side of things, it, it became violent even with my children. So during the COVID lockdown, I lost my kids. I, I was called neglectful because I wouldn't let them go to school when school reopened. But I was that afraid of sending my kids to school because that's what we were told. 
That's what we were fooled. That I wouldn't let them. And I had children that, that were flying in school. They're doing so well. And while the media would show things on Good Morning, like people colour coordinating their clothes, we didn't go through that, not at all. We were trying to fight for our family to stay well. So my kids would, my big girls, because they're bigger than me, uh, one was in year 13, the other in year 12, and they would fight me, physically fight me, to get down the stairs <laughs> just to go to school. But I knew I was doing the right thing because well, that's what the government told me. So my kids fought their way out the door and ran, ran to school just to, within the first week, they started back, school was closed again, they were locked up again. So I felt like the government exposed my kids to the virus by letting them go back to school and go around everyone after telling us not to. And I feel like we will never get that time back. We will never um, undo the harm that has been done. So I'm just, I just want to tap into that, that percentage of people that went through domestic violence. It was out, out the roof. You know, we stayed in Rewa. There was call-outs all around us. So just know that you have a voice through me. Thank you. Thank you, Hazel. Hazel, um, the inhumane policies of the New Zealand government in regards to the police's ability to respond to domestic violence situations, um, those have affected you personally as well. Can you tell me a little bit about that? I sure can. So with me and my husband, because we're we're dealing with all these children that are upset, frustrated, had a guts full. You know, you put anyone in a room for thus long, that it's like being in a cage. And we would have to deal with these whawhai all the time and try and settle and try and reassess everything every day. And um, it caused us to fight a lot, more than we ever had. Because we're right in each other's face, we're not allowed to leave. We're not allowed to go to Fano. Fano didn't want us to come over either because we burst in their bubble. So we felt so isolated and just felt like we had no voice. Everything was on the phone or you were on hold forever. No one answered. Thank you, Hazel. Well, Julie, you've seen the impacts of isolation. You've seen it compounded and you've heard the statistics of 172,000 cases of domestic violence and the strain on the police force and the inability to respond to that. So Hazel, I would like to thank you for providing your testimony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If, I might add, if I might add one thing to that, when, I, when we had a big fight and I took my sons and I went to the one neighbour that would let me in, and I asked her to use my, can I use your phone to ring the cops? And you know what she said to me? She said to me, should I ring men up or should I ring the police? And I really wish we had rung men up.
because they rang the police and uh, a question I was asked over the phone, let alone my life was at risk and so were my tamariki. They asked me if I was vaccinated. They asked me the size of my family if they were vaccinated. And you know what I answered. So they took three and a half hours to come. Three and a half hours and during that time, who knows what would have happened. I had to hibernate, I had to hide myself within my neighbour's home, someone that was loving enough to help another New Zealander. So really stuff the government. We need, we need to sack that government ASAP. Thank you. Thank you, Hazel Tukuriri. You've just seen a snapshot inside the home, inside the four walls of what represents many New Zealanders during that time. Yeah, your, your next witness, uh, prosecution. Thank you, Your Honour. I'd like to introduce my next witness. At the height of the government lockdown measures, no tangihanga or funerals were allowed. During level three lockdown, funerals were still limited to just 10 people. Families were restricted from performing cultural practices in their homes. And before that, they were left with saying goodbye to their loved ones, handing them over to the hands of a funeral director and being forced to wave goodbye at the front door. During 2020 and 2021, there were 34,000 deaths in New Zealand. That is 34,000 Kiwi families that were restricted in the way that they could grieve their loved ones. 34,000 families denied the one opportunity to honour their loved ones in the appropriate way and in a way that would make them heal. Surely there would have been another way for families to express their grief. I now invite my next witness to the stand, Mr. Paris Winiata. Paris, you've had to face every parent's worst nightmare during this time. In your own words and in your own time, could you please tell the jury here today your experience and how this government's inhumane policies have affected you and your family? As the prosecutor has alluded to, there were 34 plus thousand families that suffered losses last year. My wife and I were one of them, and not to take anything away from the whanos that lost loved ones, ours unfortunately wasn't due to natural attrition. Ours was a promise that was given to us before we were married, that we would be born a boy. This boy was the promised child that we so longed for. He passed away at the age of 14 months, and the government and their restrictions did not allow my whānau and our friends, key people in our lives that were going to deliver us strength, hope and peace to grieve during this process. We're not talking about 2020 when the level four lockdown, we're talking about August 2021 when science and statistics showed us that COVID was not a threat to our communities. For the last Nearly 12 months, I've sat here wondering why, why, why me, why my son? And it's become evident today that this burden that I must carry is a burden that I must carry so that no one here in my nation 
has to carry that burden ever again. That if your loved ones pass away, I will stand and fight so that you can go through the grieving process that you so deserve. Thank you, Paris. Paris, at the time that you were carrying out the funeral for your boy, I'd like to ask you about your vaccinated family members because vaccinated family and friends, surely the government would have allowed them to attend the funeral as the government were the ones who were ensuring the safety of the vaccination. As we've clearly established here today that the government have lied over and over and over again. And like most people, I wasn't truly aware of the extent until it affected me personally, me and my whanau. And that's why I choose to stand today so that no one else has to go through the same thing. I would rather give you foresight rather than hindsight. They told us, if you want to go to music festivals, get vaccinated. If you want to be able to work in your chosen career, get vaccinated. They said, if you want to attend tangihanga, get vaccinated. If you want to mourn and grieve with your, your whanau and friends, get vaccinated. Well, I had family and friends double vaccinated, wearing masks, complying in every aspect that the government put upon us and were still unable to attend my son's tangi. If that's not enough for you, to get rid of this government, I don't know what is. Thank you, Paris. Paris, I just want to... There's a process of grieving that is natural to all people. That takes time. But it's, it's particularly around having family around. Can you please talk about how the government's actions affected your grieving process? The process is still going through today. Still unable to see whānau and friends, loved ones. It's like going over his burial. Every single time I see a whānau member or friend that was unable to visit his tangi, that the embrace is all over again. The strength that should have been provided for me on the day that I laid him to rest is continuing to have to overflow and overflow in the memories of the tragic things that we saw, that I went through, is played over and over and over again. And I speak not just from physical harm, but mental welfare. We already know we're in a state of emergency with our mental health and where we're at. And I've got whānau and friends that I haven't seen for a long time that are here today, flowing all the way from Australia. To be here with everyone else, to stand and fight, and for me, that's again going back over that. That's that embrace that I'm, that they're giving me is an embrace that they should have been able to give me. That was my right to attain that embrace and that grief, that grieving process when I laid him to rest. I shouldn't be forced to have to go through over and over and over again the tragic loss that happened to me and my family. But in my closing statement, I do want to say, as hard as it has been and the loss that we have had to go through, I will go through it over and over and over again so that my fellow citizens of New Zealand won't have to go through it. Thank you very much, Paris Wuniata, for your testimony. There you see your honour, an example of how the inhumane 
practices of this government have tampered with the natural process of human care and love for one another. I'd like now to call my next witness to the stand, Your Honour. From September to November in 2020, over 16,000 New Zealand businesses closed permanently, compared to 7,000 over the same period in the year before. Your Honour, that's an increase of 127%. Business closures were prominent in the sectors most affected by the pandemic, including hospitality, tourism, wholesale trade and the fitness sectors. For business owners, Your Honour, closing a business can be like a death. Years of sheer hard work all down the drain despite their very best efforts and the feeling of failure and uncertainty of the future can deeply affect their mental well-being. I would like now to call upon the next witness to the stand, Steve Oliver. Thank you for being here today, Steve. Uh, could you please tell us about your business and how the government's lockdowns have affected it initially? Yeah, my name's Steve Oliver, and we, uh, we just run a family gym. You know, it's just a regular gym in uh, West Auckland. And, uh, you know, we've just been, uh, we've, you know, three generations deep in the, in the community. And we just, uh, you know, the, the community's the focus, and um, <clears throat> we were told to lock down, and you know, we could just see, you know, the first lockdown we'd, we'd done as we're told and we locked down, then we could see in the community all these experts were telling us stuff was going on. It was like watching an a, a episode of Shoreland Street. It was like something's happening on TV, but in the reality, in, in community, it's not happening. So we just made a call and we're like, man, you know, there's people out there suffering, there's people losing their families, people uh, losing their jobs. Uh, you know, mental health is a real issue. That's the, that's the killer in our community, so we're just going to open up. So uh, we just wanted to be a safety net and a safe place for, for, the, for the fathers and the, and the mothers that, uh, you know, were losing everything at the time and, uh, you know, the families that, that couldn't access, uh, you know, couldn't go to the movies as a family, couldn't go to the pools, couldn't even go to the library. You know, it was such a danger to the community. And uh, the kids, you know, the kids at, at, 12, year old, at 12 years old were given... <clears throat> you know, told to make a choice whether they took a needle or not when, uh, you know, adults regret a tattoo after two weeks. And, uh, you know, they were kicked out of their, their family networks. They were kicked out of their, their, their sports teams. You know, and, and uh, just at a time, a real crucial time when kids are trying to find their identity was huge. So there was a real mental health issue going right through the family from the adults right through to the children so we just wanted to be that safe space and and wanted to stay open just for the for the community so steve you made a a courageous decision to stay open to provide all of the services and the care that you you normally do for your community can you tell me how the government dealt with you not wanting to close your doors <clears throat> Uh, we just we're getting uh, you know constant uh, emails and constant uh, phone calls telling us that they're going to prosecute and shut us down. And there's a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of pressure uh, on us as a family. And um, you know they just make uh, visits coming around to my business. 
you know, trying to make us out like we're criminals. And I just said, man, I've got kids that are suicidal. I'm the only safe place for these kids. I'm the only place they can go. So if I close the door, that's on me. You know what I mean? So go ahead, throw your fines around. And, uh, you know, they even went to the, uh, to the extent of uh, redirecting our gym phone line to a vaccine hotline. I don't, even, I don't think they got too many hits off that one. But, uh, yeah, it's pretty feeble. So you're talking about fines is one thing, but the additional pressure and I would say the word bullying that has been directed at your family, I guess that further compounds the threat to your business. What were the personal effects on your family of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of anxiety. You know, I've never, I've, you know, lived a full life and always, uh, you know, gone out on the front foot and in sport and business and everything and uh, proud of what we've achieved. And, you know, it was a real, it was a time. It puts a lot of pressure on the family, puts a lot of pressure on, you know, I've got five kids in the house. I've got eight kids all up. We've got, uh, you know, my baby just had a two-year-old birthday just uh, on Saturday. And... Um, you know, you feel bad, you know, because this, the pressure's real. The kids, you know, you're, you're missing out on those, you know, those beautiful years with your kids under this pressure. And, um, you know, sometimes you just got to do what's right, no matter what the personal costs. Thank you, Steve. I'd like to thank you for your testimony today. Thanks. Thank you, Prosecution. If you could uh, introduce your final witness, please. Thank you, Your Honour. 62,000 Kiwis reported experiencing an adverse reaction to the COVID-19 vaccine that was recommended by the government. 3,500 of them reported serious life-shortening reactions, including myocarditis, stroke, heart inflammations, paralysis and heart attacks. As lockdown restrictions relaxed and we went back to our normal lives, there was a large group of Kiwis who could not go back to normal. Many of them had trusted the government and were trying to remain compliant in order to keep their jobs and support their families, but they had been seriously injured and life as they knew it had dramatically changed. You and I now invite the next witness to the stand, Tania Martin. Tania, your husband Rob has been affected by the government's vaccine mandates during this time. Could you please tell the jury your experience? Yeah, hi. Kia ora, everybody. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm here to be a witness on behalf of my husband. Um, this, this, is, this is my husband. I, I put him on a T-shirt. I made this for this occasion. He's over here. Um, so he was here at the last freedom protest. Um, but yeah, he, since COVID, our, his life has been flipped upside down for the worse. Um, I'm here on his behalf, but I'm also standing for all backs injured. There's thousands and thousands and thousands and many that have lost their lives. So I'm here to represent them. My husband, he's a good man. He's a good man and he's the strongest man I know. But he was, he was fit and he was healthy. 
And yeah, 18 years ago, we were here. We were here protesting and enough is enough. My husband, he was uh, a specialized usher. Um, he was up there at the front, more than well able to hold his own, but he can't anymore. He needs a stick to aid him while he walks. He, um, he is in constant pain. And um, he has chest pains and he's in agony and um, sorry. Um, um, and uh, now, you know, if he, needs, if he needs to go a long distance, he needs a wheelchair. And that, that's, what, that's what the vaccination has done to him. I'm sorry to hear that, Tania. You know, New Zealand has ACC to provide financial relief and support to Kiwis who are dealing with injuries and accidents. This is what our taxes pay for. How has ACC supported your family during this time? ACC who? What? Nothing. Nothing. We've paid our taxes. We've worked many, many years. And for what? A vaccination injury is not an accident. A heart attack and a stroke is not, a, is not an accident. Where, who, where do we go? We're back on a benefit? Oh, and can I ask you a question? Not you, but maybe <laughs> ask the government, Jacinda Ardern, this question's for you. Where's my supported living payment? I didn't get that. My husband didn't get that. But you go and pay it to people that are dead in a grave. And you go and pay it to people that are overseas that don't need an income. And we need it. Because we don't have a job anymore. But you, I, didn't, I didn't get a living supported whatever payment. <laughs> Tania, you're, you're clearly not getting the support that is due to you and that your taxes and our taxes pays for. Without having that support, and with what your husband is going through right now, take me a little bit through what your day-to-day -day life looks like now. Oh, day-to-day. -day. Um, it's a little bit hard for me. Like, uh, it's not about me. It's about my husband. But, and I'm standing for all vax injured. But in my home right now, I've got an 11-year-old daughter who has a slipped hip. So she's got one leg longer than the other. I've got a muckle who was in hospital last night because of a, a virus. And I tell you, you know, before COVID, they didn't tell you about a virus. If you had kids that were sick, they would say viral infection. Now they're naming all the viruses. They're making sure that it's not a COVID. They name all the viruses out there. But, you know, we all got pressures of life. We're all going through things. So just add on top of all of that, my husband, who's in constant pain, it's just not right. It's, it's wrong. Thank you, Tania. Thank you for your testimony. Thank you. Love and light. You. God bless. Thank you, uh, Prosecution. Could you, uh, could you please make your closing statements? Thank you, Honour. Well, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have heard the testimonies of all the witnesses that have stood before you today. These stories, well, they are but representative 
of the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of New Zealanders who have had their lives adversely affected and impacted by what they have been through by this government, our defendant. And you've seen just a snapshot of what goes on behind the four walls of their private homes. That's a simple snapshot of the wider impacts that have happened to many, many families that go unnoticed, that go unacknowledged, and that go ignored by the defendant, this government. If I can remind you today, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the charge that has been brought to the court this morning is about inhumane acts intentionally causing great suffering or serious injury to body, mental or physical health. I'm sure that you would be in agreement with me that the testimonies that you have heard today attest to the very thing that this charge is holding against this government. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, it's critical for you to find the defendant guilty of the charges held and send a strong message to this government, to the defendant who is on trial today, that their actions cannot continue. The evidence that you've seen today is undeniable. It's not anecdote, it's not media lies, it's undeniable evidence of this government's heartless, inhumane treatment to its own people. I trust, jury, that you will reach a verdict fitting of this defendant's inhumane actions. Thank you, Your Honour. Thank you, Prosecution. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have heard from the Prosecution and each of the witnesses today. It is now time for you to deliberate amongst yourselves and deliver your verdict as a group. Shortly, the court will go into recess, and when the court resumes, if you believe the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, you will be asked to shout out guilty. If you believe the defendant is not guilty, please remain silent. Now, I just want to reiterate that and repeat it so that we're clear. When the court resumes, if you believe the defendant is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, you will be asked to shout guilty. If you believe the defendant is not guilty, please remain silent. Until then, Quarters in recess for two minutes. Kia ora. All right, Calvin, are you there? Can we get across from you? The court is now in recess. The hey. prosecution has laid out their case. Is anybody coming out yet? Calvin, what do you think? Is any, any politician coming out to talk to the people? Okay. Okay, Brian's just asking if any of the politicians are coming okay. out. Um, I really think we should call for Dr. Sharma to come out and talk to the people. He understands the bullying nature of this Labour government. He's experienced it firsthand um, in the halls of power. And, of course, the New Zealand people outside Parliament well, at the moment like have felt bullied, have felt gaslit, have felt I ignored, really have felt violated for the last two years. And we've just heard today. testimony um, from one... Two, three, four people uh, who have really suffered horrifically under this government. Calvin, are you there? Can you give us a comment? It is you a should be of the people of it's New Zealand. Yeah. 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 Go somewhere a little bit quieter. So another great day in Wellington. 
And a sec. Take the phone out so I can hold it. The sun is shining. After a very windy and wet few days down there. The weather played ball, which is great. Democracy in New Zealand again. Of course. Last time they were there, there was a big storm. But everybody held strong. I want Hannah to Tamaki back on the mic. We're just in recess waiting for the jury, which is the public of New Zealand, to make their decision. Okay. That's a good shot with the beehive in the background there. Thank you, Brian. Beehive. I thought that was Parasite Palace. Oh, Parasite Palace, as we like to uh, affectionately call it here on Counterspin. Yeah, did you remind everyone that uh, TVNZ and the Herald and that are all streaming this because they realised their ratings plummeted last time when they tried to ignore the people? I've, yeah, I haven't been on um, since you told me that. Uh, I've been waiting to get back on. And yes, of course, the mainstream media this week realising that New Zealanders are hungry for the truth. So we thank all of you who know that um, Counterspin is the place where you can get the truth. What's the atmosphere like down there, Calvin? How many people do you think there are? Oh, and there's another speaker coming up. Oh, there's thousands of people for sure. Um, when they had the anti-protest down by the Cenotaph here in Wellington next to the Beehives, there was a little moderate, modest group. Um, but... When the people started to march past, they liked to wharf them. It was like an ocean liner going past the tugboat. <laughs> and, uh, Excellent. Okay, and we're going to quieten down pretty fast from their YMCA song. The situation song. is extremely serious. The country is broke. Excellent. Thank you for that, Calvin. There's another speaker on apparently. So we're going to cross back. This government okay. cannot pull us out of it. They have wasted billions. There's a price to be paid for that. And it's in the ballot box. They're as good as gone. And you have my commitment via the New Nation Party. We will be part of it. And there's no stone unturned that we will not to achieve that result. So that is the New Nation Party speaking there. Um, oh, hello again. Of okay. course, the um, New Nation Vision Party and Outdoors Party, party coming under this umbrella. Still around, but then I polled. And so obviously some of you did. Um, we're very consistent. Our main push is for families. It always has been. It was no mandates, all those things, and the free, free for you to make a decision whether you, whether you were vaccinated or not. We're still 100% the same. Vision New Zealand. And we're very thankful for those people that did put us through the polls. It was actually a big surprise when I sat in um, front of the camera and um, they said, how do you feel about the fact that Vision New Zealand polled? And I was like, oh, well, that's really lovely, isn't it? It was such a surprise. And, um, and I said, obviously, people have seen Brian and I together standing for the rights of all New Zealanders. And I think that's what attributed to Vision New Zealand polling. The last thing I want to say is this. Sometimes you've been guilty of association. For me to poll, I didn't mind being guilty of association with Brian Tamaki. But when I got arrested and put on bail, for being married to Brian Tamaki, I disagree and disapprove of that. I want my charges dropped. I want my DNA destroyed. I want my, actually, can I give you a little joke? Can I? Sorry, you're standing in the sun. 
when they took my mugshot, I was like this. Because when you see mugshots, they're pretty ugly because people feel sad. But I knew I was innocent. Please, please enroll. Join this party. Join Vision. Join the umbrella. We're allowed to be part of two parties. If you're a part of either of ours, please join the umbrella. Freedoms New Zealand. Thank you. All right. That was Hannah Tamaki there from Vision New Zealand. Um, and I mean, who can argue freedom, with that? You know, freedom, freedom, family freedom, and freedom, freedom, freedom. Brian Tamaki freedom, on the mic again now. Okay. What's the verdict? <laughs> oh, sorry, Judge. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's, oh, kia ora, kia ora. <laughs> That's why I get in trouble, sorry. Gets in trouble. All right. Quarters, quarters back in session. Would the jury please give me their full attention? It says in here for you to rise, but you're already standing, so that's good. The jury, please give me their full attention. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, this is serious. On the count of crimes against humanity for inhumane acts, how does the jury find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Order in the, whoa, yeah. Order in the court. You have delivered a guilty verdict for the defendant. And I acknowledge for many of you here that this trial is the culmination of an emotional and distressing past two years for the COVID-19 health response period. And because of that, I thank you, jury, for your service today. And I hope that collectively you will reach an appropriate sentence when the opportunity is presented to you. Court is adjourned. Kia ora. Thank you. Thank you, Judge Dredd. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. When's the sentencing? Okay. Well, you will see that. What's the space? Ladies and gentlemen, what you saw enacted on the grounds of Parliament, this was not theatre. This was real lives. And so I would like to acknowledge the witnesses who stood as I acknowledge every single man and woman here today because they represented the stories that you're living with in your own homes. And I acknowledge you for standing in courage through adversity and continuing to stand. More people are joining us. More people are coming to your light as you stand boldly and courageously. I want to acknowledge Brian Tamaki for the work that you've put in. I know you've been kept away from this place for many times, but here we are today. The heavens have opened and we're moving forward. So I just want to say, ladies and gentlemen, that keep on moving on. Keep on focusing. You heard at the centre, text MOVE to 366 and you'll be able to keep track of everything that's going on. If you're in Palmerston North tomorrow, we will be in Palmerston North pushing this fight for freedom and most importantly, this fight for unity. You've all got a vote. Let's bring it together. United we stand, divided we Thank you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to end. God of nations, at thy feet, in the bonds of love we meet. Hear our voices, we entreat. God, 
defend New Zealand. Amen. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep in touch, and we'll see you real soon. Safe travels home, convoy. Give yourselves a hand, New Zealand. All right, and there you go, New Zealand. Um, that has wrapped up the People's Trial. If you are still watching our stream, give us your feedback in the Telegram chat. Find us, Counterspin Media chat or chat counterspin media or send us an email info at counterspinmedia.com Kelvin, um, shall we get you on and do you want to give us your initial thoughts or have you got somebody there that you might like to interview? Did you find real Rookshan for example? Oh, sorry about that the joys are live streaming Hey buddy <laughs> Cheers I'll try and keep out of trouble but no promises. Is there anyone that you could talk to, Calvin, to get their response of what they thought? Yep, sure. Hang on a sec. I just got a custard, so we'll just chat with them. All right. So it was expected. However, when can it happen? So the guilty verdict's been passed by a jury of their the people. superiors. And uh, it was, of course, guilty. Are you happy about the result I take it? Only result it could be. There was no other result. With well, the facts that we heard today, along with what we knew already, there was only one way it could go, Kelvin. Yeah. And now everyone's wondering, uh, what next? I think it's up to all you lot that get together and do the job that you've started and complete it. You're doing a great job. Oh, we're certainly doing our best. Would you like to say something? You happy with the results? I'm definitely happy. There's no other result than guilty. I mean, if you listen to what they were saying today, I mean, it's just heart-wrenching what New Zealand people have gone through. And this uh, this puppet government, it's genocide. It's actually murder. Yeah, we've been it's saying murder. that. We've been saying yeah. that for a long time. Yeah. And even if they, even let's just say they took away everyone's um, testimony, and only dealt on government's own information, they're guilty. Yes. And that's the astounding thing. The mainstream media have got together. Um, they've collaborated. They've conspired. Right. with the Exactly. Bought and paid for journalistic horse. And do, do we believe that the money has come from overseas to assist all of this? I mean, today, taking the ferry off must have cost them a fortune. Why couldn't it go to education, health? No, just to keep us in the dark, supposedly. And, of course, they've sent millions to the Ukraine with uh, some yes. of our best trainers. Yes. yes. And, of course, we know the Azov Battalion's over there, which is a Nazi extremist uh, group. Yeah. So this government actually supports Nazism and yet has the cheek to say we do. Absolutely. You're right on. Right on. I saw you in Thames. We came and saw oh, yeah. you in Thames. It was, it was a good little following. It was good. It was a great group. Uh, yeah, appreciate that. Yes, you're doing some fantastic work. So, so, so I don't come across as the extremist? Not to me, but then you're an angry man like I'm an angry woman, and I think you're holding back a lot of what you feel. I am. It's very hard. It's very hard not to be passionate. Because if I was slightly mentally unhinged, I would have gone postal already. So it just goes to show I've got it all together, eh? Oh, there's nothing, nothing loose about your head. <laughs> I think everything's where it's meant to be, and I think you're doing a great job. Wouldn't you agree, Anna? And, you know, the government or Sydney's corrupted words aren't kind. We should actually be cruel. I've spent some time in a rest home recently because my mother was on the way out. Yeah. They're, un um, they're understaffed. 
there's staff out there's staff out there that could actually be helping those people that are in their last you know last weeks years of their life and so the pressure that puts the staff under because they can't uh, and and i and i watched that's those staff that had to have masks on them and the rashes around their face. Yeah. And, I mean, the whole thing is just absolutely disgusting. Especially when we know that the virus is a killer. It was oh, all yeah. contrived. The whole thing's contrived. And 100%. And everyone around yeah. the world is yeah. under the spell. I'm trying to add because I asked the nursing staff, uh, the rest home that my mum's room was closed twice because there was 12 cases, et cetera. I, it was only in the last four days I went up and I said, um, so how many died of COVID? And it was like, uh, uh, and then one, oh, one. Why do you go to a rest home? You go to a rest home to die. So, so basically the common cold and flu took them out. And, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because you find that funny, they talk about, oh, they had comorbidities. Most people are walking comorbidities. Yeah, it's, it's not until they get the jab that they seem to cark it. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. There's more people that have died of the jab than has died of COVID. And when we consider that there's been more claims that have not gone through, and if, if they had gone through, they've still superseded any other vaccine since vaccinations kind of were, you know, counted. They can't um, really call it a vaccine, though, can you? It's a no, jab. we can't. We know it's that a, it's a bioweapon, yeah. the population agenda. Yeah. Um, and and, no and it's working. Very oh, well. it's, it's doing what it's intended to do. Let's face it. No, no one's ever died of COVID. There's no such thing. How can you die like, like a bloody unicorn? You know what I mean? It's mythical. I know. Hey, Calvin, we've got the audience saying that they want you to give these ladies a hug. They deserve it. Okay, we'll have to turn it around then. Wait, wait in one moment, people. <laughs> Apparently, I've got to give you guys a hug. Oh, we're the audience very is, willing the, to give the you audience, a hug. The audience is to give you a there hug. There you go. I'm with two elderly extremists. <laughs> far right, far right um, <laughs> lunatics. <laughs> and I'm waiting to watch them slither down in a river of filth. Down the hill. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But hey, oh, we are live. Right behind all that. Everything's live. They are just absolutely gorgeous, Calvin. Is there anybody else that you can find that wants to talk? Yeah, I'm going to, would you like to say something? Thank you. No, you're most welcome. I appreciate that. I'm proud to hear you come from Mangani. It's me too. Yeah, born, bred, raised South Auckland, me. We're L275. I don't know. I've just got your umbrella at the moment, so. I just don't want to be on camera. Hey, not on camera. A lot of people don't want to be on camera. They're camera shy, but we can hear them. Calvin, do you want to see that lady with the Tokelau house arrest sign? Does she want to make a comment? Uh, yep. 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 As soon as we swap to another feed, I'll just... Um, okay, where's the sign, well, Hannah? Uh, she's just gone to the left. She may have ducked away with the flag. The New Zealand... Oh, she's kind of passed away now. Oh, yeah. well, um, we'll check it out. Oh, here we go. Look who we got here. There you go. Oh, it's Farmer James. Farmer yeah. James, he's uh, coming. So what do you think, Farmer James? The uh, oh. verdict of the people was uh, guilty? Yeah. Uh, do you think it was a deserved uh, verdict? Oh, I'd say so. I'd say that's probably most of the population except for those rainbow crew down there. Yeah, that must admit they were, uh, they, were having a, they were in good spirits. They were having a good time dancing, yeah. and they started cranking up the YMCA music as the uh, – Crew started walking past, but geez, it was like an ocean liner passing a tugboat, wasn't it? I'm not too sure about putting the old anti-fascist signs on the uh, war, war memorial. I don't know if the 
too many uh, people that serve for the country would actually be very appreciative of that because they are pretty much fascists. The anti-fascists are the fascists, which is very odd, but... Agreed. Because what, is, what is the left version of fascism called? Totalitarianism. Yeah, because basically what happens when a government works with corporations to enslave the people and basically steal off them and control them, that's fascism. So they should have been here with us <laughs> fighting what we're fighting. That's how ironic it is. Yeah, it is ironic. I talk about racism, but there's a hell of a lot of diversity in the crowd here. I'll tell you that. Oh, absolutely. Definitely seen uh, a lot of colour. Definitely more colour than we have down home, that's for sure. <laughs> did, you, did you find any white supremacists at all? No, no. Well, I've seen Chantelle Baker. She's apparently a Nazi, isn't she? Oh, she's far right. Apparently, She's so far right, she's fallen off the couch. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no Nazis up here. No, it's far not. out. It's, yeah, definitely not. Yeah, you just got to look around, eh? And we, and we see all the diverse nature of people, all colours, all creeds. Yeah, definitely. I don't, yeah, there's no. I don't think Yeah, no, I mean, I've been looking. I even looked down to some uh, bushes. <laughs> Couldn't see any. No, no little ninja supremacists jumping out either? No. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty safe, I think. Yep. No, you have a good day, and thanks very much for uh, coming on. Yeah, I only come up here because when they cancelled Shantown's Facebook, it pissed me off. So that's what that's what brought me here. Thanks, thanks, stuff. Yep, you've got me wound up and got me to turn up. So yeah, I think I think they've done themselves a disservice, haven't they? <laughs> Everything yeah. they're doing now is just falling to pieces. The narrative's collapsing. The people are winning, and it's going to be all over by the show. Catch you later. Okay. Thank you. No worries, buddy. All right, that was Farmer okay. James there. Can you change, change speed? I'm going to go blind for a minute. Um, we will cut to Dana. Dana, have you got anybody there that you want um, to talk to us? It looks like the police are um, lining up over there. They've got um, they've just brought in reinforcements outside Parliament. Are they expecting something? Of course, um, this is potentially a time where they may bring in some agent provocateurs to start rallying anyone who's left who's a little bit um, agitated. Of course, the Freedom Rights Coalition event has finished, so the official uh, People's Court is over. And Dana, can you see any skirmishes breaking out or is there any sign of any violence? Are they about to storm Parliament? Is this going to be a January 6th moment? <laughs> okay, Dana is muted, unfortunately, because she can't hear me. Um so we are just bringing you the um, footage post the People's Court. A uh, few people still milling about. I can imagine that a lot of the Freedom family are enjoying catching up with each other. Um, they've come from all around the country, from the far north and the deep south. So uh, they will be making the most of this opportunity. And, of course, any agent provocateurs or deep state players um, may take this opportunity to do something stupid, but it looks like it's all peaceful and calm down there. Dana, just feel free to jump in at any point if you can hear me. Um, she's got her camera there facing the beehive or parasite palace, as we lovingly like to call it here. And, of course, there's the, the police lining up. So just a couple of things that we want to mention. It's actually $40 million that New Zealand has given to the Ukraine. Uh, for some reason, Dana either can't hear me or sh her sound isn't working. Okay, so her microphone is not now? working. Oh, yes, we've got her now. Okay, Dana, we've okay. got you now. Um, look, are, are we looking at any sort of um, January 6th event? Is there any violence breaking out? Are the white supremacists trying to storm parliament? What's going on? 
Uh, the only one that appears to be tense here are the police. As you can say, they have just brought in, uh, as you can see, they have just brought in reinforcements and uh, those reinforcements um, stormed by us and uh, they've just brought them in and are lining up. We've also noticed them lined up down below uh, Parliament grounds also. So just keeping an eye on the situation at this point in time, but it does not appear to be uh, a tense situation amongst the crowd here. They Looks all seem to be quite jovial and uh, just enjoying the sunshine, it would appear. Yep, looks like a great opportunity for um, the Freedom family to catch up with each other. Is there anybody that wants to talk to us and give us their opinion about the verdict or um, tell us their COVID casualty story? Well, this gentleman here. Oh, I saw that guy's T-shirt. That went viral, Dana. That was a great T-shirt. It's a phenomenal T-shirt. So we're just we're straight up T-shirt. I bought uh, Dune before she goes full term. So my question to you is, how do you feel about the uh, outcome of the uh, People's Court that has just taken place? Well, uh, how many people listen to it from up there? It's debatable, but I think it needs to hear it. So uh, it's been a great day to come all the way down from Auckland. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we've just got to keep standing up. Or we, uh, you know, we don't stand for something, we fall for everything. So Absolutely. That's why we're here. So where to now, do you think? Uh, we'll just follow what comes out and we'll support it as we've done all along. We're looking forward to the new political party because we don't believe any of the current parties are standing up for the people who voted for them. So until they start representing their constituents, we won't be voting for them. And anyway, I've got to go. So. No worries. Thank you. You have a great rest of your day. Excellent. Yes, I saw um, a photo of that gentleman going around social media yesterday. Is there anybody else, Dana, who, just give us an update. Who have you seen today? Who have you spoken with? And um, what's, what's, what, what, what are people saying to you on the ground? Uh, so we've just had a couple conversations. I know people are a little bit disappointed uh, that they're was a court held, they provided witnesses, and then um, it was a bit like an anticlimax, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, I know some uh, sovereigns who I've spoken to were surprised at the full court process that was initiated. They thought that was fascinating. And for those of you who uh, know the... Uh, uh, the process of court and uh, what that stands for. Uh, I think you guys will uh, understand where I'm coming from. Yes, of course. And you're talking about admiralty law there um, versus the common law of the people. So, of course, there are movements popping up all around the country as well, um, you know, common law courts and things like that. Um, and, you know, I suppose what we can say, okay, the mainstream media was calling this a mock trial, uh, Freedom and Rights saying this certainly was nothing, was anything but theatre. They were real people that gave their testimony, um, and of course we know that it doesn't have any um, any legal clout, I suppose, at this point. But they did talk about going international. Did you hear them talk about that, Dana? Sorry, say that again. Did you hear the Freedom Rights Coalition talking about going to the Hague or the international courts? No, sorry, I did not. 
Sorry, Hannah, the uh, sound is really poor. I can hardly hear you. Okay, it's pr- it could be because you're getting close to the music speakers. Um, so, yeah, it looks like it was a great day in Wellington in terms of the weather. Dana there saying that some people felt like it was a bit of an anticlimax. And I suppose if you've travelled um, for a couple of days to get to Wellington and, you know, you march from 10 a.m. and then it's all wrapped up by you know, one forty or just after one thirty, then, yeah, it's kind of feels like, well, what did we all come here for? Maybe they could have invited more speakers up. Um, they could have made it a bit of a longer event for people that, uh, you know, wanted to hear from a diverse range of people. Um, but, you know, these things do take a lot of effort to organise and I suppose um, sometimes, you know... There has people- been... I was speaking to our three ladies earlier on and uh, asked them their thoughts on uh, the court and how that went. And uh, one of the ladies said she believes it was phenomenal because, you know, they're providing an um, alternative to the current parties that are in there and uh, encouraging the people to vote those parties out and bring in uh, this umbrella party. And, uh, you know, that's great. So, but I can't help but wonder, was this just a big plug for well, uh, yeah, the I mean, party? It, it, I suppose the good thing is uh, from what we have uh, experienced over the last two years, Dana, is that it, it is possible to put aside the small things that we disagree on and unite on the things that we do agree on. And uh, we always like to say, you know, no two people will ever 100% agree on everything, just like uh, Calvin and I or you and I, Dana. We'll never always agree, but if we can find common ground around the way the COVID um, rollout has happened with all those uh, legislations and, and the real pain that New Zealand is suffering because of it, if we can unite around that and just maintaining freedom of speech, I think those two alone are a really good foundation for people uniting who just want freedom. And it's it's not too much to ask, is it, to give each other the space to be who, who each person is, where, wherever you are on the spectrum of freedom. Good point, Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I'm the eternal optimist, and I like to look at the positive. Um, and I think, I think, do you know what I think, Dana? I think this is a good week for freedom lovers in New Zealand because not only have they taken down uh, platforms like Chantel Baker and Counterspin this week on major social media platforms, but they've also stopped Avi Yemeni from Rebel News getting into the country, which is another um, shameful attack on free on the free press of course if you don't know who Avi Yemeni is he is a reporter from Australia uh, from Rebel News he did want to come over the real Rukshan from Australia has been over and he was there on the ground Dana did you manage to catch up with him the real Rukshan I have seen him he is a very busy young man at the moment he has I did converse them earlier on uh, when we're down at the Civic Square unfortunately we actually lost that feed um, a bit of a conversation with Farmer James. So I see Calvin had a conversation with him also. Just quickly, um, you know, I th- I'll throw something out there. You know, with regards to the conversation and bringing another party in, you know, people are saying that they it's time to vote them out and bring in this new party. Um, now that is 
so long as those votes actually do count because you know there are some serious doubts whether or not uh, people's votes did actually count in the last election. Yes, of course, we need to make sure that um, our election system is is transparent and as much as it can be and people are held accountable and there is no um, hanky-panky going on like there was in America. Of course, uh, we have our opinions. But, yes, Dana, I think that's a very important point. We do need to make sure that people in the freedom movement um, not only stand in, well, local body elections and national elections, but also be part of the electoral process, be part of your um, your voting station in your area and uh, witness what's going on. There's Zeb Jackson. Let's cross to her. Just a quick question, Zeb. How, do you, um, how did you find the People's Court? I thought it was rather interesting to watch, actually. I, yeah. I got quite into it. Um, I, I don't have values that sort of align in the religious way, but I still found it quite quite interesting, you know, apart from the religious aspect. It was, yeah, it was really cool. What about you? What did you think? Uh, <laughs> uh, I personally don't, I uh, didn't think much of the process, but, I mean, that's my opinion. And as our, many of our viewers know, I don't have a high uh, opinion of the entire court process, um, let alone the uh, political party structure. Yeah. Uh, where, where do you think moving forward, uh, what do you think of the solutions that they've provided moving forward? Which solutions? Uh, with regards to a, uh, an umbrella party and installing that and hoping that the votes of the people do actually count this election. I'm very interested to see how it, how it progresses and how it goes on. I think it's awesome that, um, well, it, it is Brian Tamaki, but someone is trying to get these smaller groups together, which I think really has to happen for anything to make a difference in our upcoming election. I, I think if not an umbrella party for Brian Tamaki, then someone else get together. Everyone's got to get together, I reckon. Awesome. Zeb, do you have any questions for her, Hannah? Um, well, how far have you travelled uh, to get here how today, Zeb? Uh, I've travelled, uh, I left on Saturday from just north of Gisborne and we just took a really, really slow route down, uh, stopped lots of places on our way, saw some familiar Freedom Family faces and uh, arrived yesterday. Yeah. Awesome. And have you got any personal COVID casualty stories that you want to share with our audience? I'm sorry, I can't really hear you. We can't hear it much. Oh. Sorry, Hannah, it's super loud. Okay. Sorry, I, was I, just, I have to get back yeah, to my right. camera, but it's good to see you guys. All right, All thanks, right. See you later, Zeb. Calvin's back on. Calvin, did you want to jump in here? Have you got any updates? Yeah, I just had an interesting conversation with someone offline who said that the reason why they won't let the doctors and nurses back from being mandated out it's because there's such a thing called the whistleblowers act and if they got back to work and they got to the computers and they got all of the evidence against the government they would be protected under the whistleblowers act wow that is fascinating it's that also is... the same man lawyer who's been working for free to help people who's on his way across to the high court now to put in a writ of habeas corpus for the people in Tokelau. Wow. Now, I hope I hope you got his details because he would be I a did. fascinating guy to talk He's to. He's going to be sending me a whole lot of other stuff, so it's going to be great. Excellent. Great work, reporter Calvin there, getting all the, the inside word. That is amazing. Yes, that and it makes perfect sense, you know. Um, 
what why you know if, if they did go back to work and they had access to all the evidence then yes they would be able to come forward and and present that evidence that's amazing i also spoke to another lady who has got to, they've been building an app it's called um if you go to resonance.kiwi that's r e s o n a n c e.kiwi if you go there it's an app with a whole lot of different things. It's got land available for people who want to uh, uh, invite people to share the land with them, people looking for land. It's got all sorts of businesses that are on the same side. You can call them direct through the app, highlighting a whole lot of different uh, alternative ways of living and coming together and networking. It's the sort of thing that's um, built from the ground up, not controlled by anyone, can't be taken down. That's it there. Let's see if I get that there. Resonance. Yep, it's an app as well, Android and iPhone. Go and have a look at it, download it, have a play around with it, and uh, we'll be having the lady on, who's a former politician, uh, who will be on uh, the show in the near future to uh, talk all about it. Excellent. Maybe someone can find that and put that in the chat. Um, Calvin, well, you know, one thing that I uh, thought that Freedom Rights Coalition would have presented is some experts. You know, they, they did great to have some testimony from from New Zealanders, and it's really important. They could have had a few more. But the other thing that I I was actually expecting was, you know, representatives from NZDSOS or the teachers or the uh, – right, okay, so I missed that bit down at Civic Square. But I did think – I did think that they would be brought on as witnesses for this courtroom. Yes, okay, they were down at Civic Square. Um, I think they could have made they could have they could have padded it out a bit more. Maybe they could have gone for a bit longer. What do you think? No, I think they were mindful of um, people being out in the sun as well. There was a lot of elderly here as well who were standing up. You know, grandmothers, grandfathers, uh, some of them quite frail who were still standing up. These people were also. Um, it was quite hot here. I mean, we got a beautiful blue sky. It's Considering the last few days, it, it, it changed remarkably. Uh, it's meant to pack up in the days to come, but for some reason they hit the sweet spot today and a guilty verdict was rendered by the people here, uh, which will be the majority of New Zealanders, I would say. Of course, mainstream media will take a slight angle. They'll tell you there was only a few people turned up and it was really a non-event, but it was a massive event. If you had a look at the crowd for the uh, anti-fascist movement, which are the fascists, um, and then you saw the big wave come past them as they entered the grounds. Now remember, that would have been much bigger had the South Island been able to get across. But unfortunately, for some reason, the uh, ferries just weren't working. Had to be serviced right on the day. Yes, very true. And apparently lots of uh, planes, uh, flights being cancelled from around the country getting to Wellington. What was it like with those, uh, those concrete bollards? I mean, were there bottlenecks getting in? Was that causing problems? Uh, it was like a a cattle stockyard where you had to weave your way through, but everyone got through. There was no, no one injured or anything like that. It was a very good day, no violence. Um, so if anyone tries to paint the picture otherwise, I can tell you there wasn't. There was a bit of a you know backwards and forwards, jovial uh, bantering uh, when the two groups passed each other. But apart from that, you know, it's too expected sometimes when emotions run high because people are getting killed by a government. You'd sort of expect people to be a little upset. Yes, so I think everyone containing themselves very well, and 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 everyone should congratulate themselves for for actually getting through this two years of sustained propaganda, 
Um, it is it has been, as you heard from those giving testimonies, abs- an absolute nightmare for a lot of families. You know, the, the first speaker, Hazel, she talked about uh, lockdown with her and her husband with 11 children. Um, she's from Mangadi and... Uh, you know, she, she just absolutely found it so difficult but because she believed in the propaganda and she wanted to protect her children. And therefore, when they were allowed to go back to school, she didn't want them to because she was scared they would pick up germs. And then, of course, um, you know, their children in the end just so desperate to get to school that she couldn't actually stop them running out of the house. And I think she even got in trouble with the authorities, she said, uh, because she wasn't allowing them to go back to school. Um, And so, yeah, she was just talking about the domestic violence and, you know, the increase in domestic violence through uh, the lockdowns is just something that is is underreported and not spoken of enough. Uh, The other people they had on was um, Paris Winniata and, of course, many people not being able to attend funerals of their loved ones, Calvin. That was a a very hard thing as well. They had a little 14-month-old that passed away um, and they couldn't send the the little boy off the way they would have liked to. And, and of course, the same happening in rest homes. The elderly passing away, not getting that uh, family support or the send-off if they did ultimately pass away. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, I think putting the people up there, real people uh, from the streets, you know, from people's neighbourhoods, showing the carnage uh, individually felt and collectively felt, I think was a good tactic. Uh, We've heard the experts, uh, we've had them on many times. The government's got all the letters from the New Zealand doctors speaking up with science, New Zealand lawyers speaking up with science, New Zealand teachers speaking up with science, and a whole raft of other experts who have all sent in information to basically say you're wrong, you're causing damage, and they've ignored them all. So they can't say they weren't warned, so that would actually form part of any case anyway, the fact that they have been warned and they chose instead to override uh, common sense and carry on with agenda-driven propaganda in order to complete their agenda. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good point. You know, the more we can get average Kiwis, um, Joe Bloggs, Jane Bloggs up there talking about their stories, the better it is because, you know, this is the type of event that the Paula Penfolds of New Zealand should have been attending. Now, we did uh, get reports that Sean Plunkett was there and one of our team did manage to have a chat to him. We're still waiting um, to see the footage from that exchange. Did you manage to catch up with any mainstream reporters or... Or, um, other alternative reporters on the ground? Uh, Lingo Louie was here, of course. I saw him. I haven't seen the real Rick Sean yet. Um, of course, Avi Yemeni denied entry, which was a bit of a bummer. It would have been fun to have him here to take that uh, back to Australia because they've had it just as bad as New Zealand. I mean, New Zealand and Australia are basically the two test cases for the world. Um, it's uh, There we go. Look at this. It's O'Brien over there in the car. Now, did you manage to um, have a chat to him? Does he want to do an interview at some point? Are you going to go and um, catch up and see, get we'll a bit of it? We'll catch up with you soon. We'll come and have an interview. Yeah. Going to win this. <sighs> yeah, he will, um, he will, let me turn around. Yeah, we'll catch up with him uh, a little later and we'll have an interview with him. It was a, it was a good day. They, they, as usual, ran a fantastic um, event. Security was great, helping people out. It was it was a good atmosphere. 
And, you know, it just doesn't matter what political ideology you rest with, apart from, of course, the lunatic side. And it doesn't matter about what social um, economic background you come from, where you grew up, who you are, what colour you are. Everyone came in here in unity, and, and it was actually good to see. It was just like Wellington, only, of course, a very short version of it. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, everyone, you know, there was someone handing around water to help people in there. It was just, just like just like old times. Awesome. Hey, Calvin, we've just got Dana there. She's got a familiar face with her. If we just cross to her, maybe in the meantime, you might be able to find someone else that we can come back and chat to with you. Yep, give me a few minutes. All right. See you soon. Okay, we are now on autopilot. So, Dana, when you um, are ready to speak, who have you got there? I recognise this face. Retired gentleman. (laughs) Oh, yes, the retired gentleman. Now, you spoke on tour a couple of times, didn't you? That's right. That's correct. Yes. Now, what did you think of today? I mean, you're you're a man uh, who's got a good understanding of admiralty law and common law. What do you think about um, the event today? I think it went rather well. Uh, uh, I, I find they're on the sort of right track, but a lot of them uh, really need someone with a, um, a lawful mind to assist them a wee bit in how they're going about it. Um, for my mind's eye, we could have the uh, this election finalised in one vote, and it's called an informal vote. So all, all one has to do is put a, a blue cross across the ballot paper. When that is seen by the registrar, that means that we do not accept any of those um, electors, uh, uh, any of those people on that ballot. We want new representation. If we can get more than 50%, the whole lot have gone in one hit. It's very hard for um, a single man like myself to sort of organise something like that. But it's a worthy thought. But overall, I think they spoke very well here today, you know. But it's getting uh, the rest of the country on board, you know. Um, But how how do we do this? It comes back to the same old thing. We've got about 10%, which are real good. 30% they are on the fence and the rest... They're just a two-party voters, you know. So, so well, what does that informal vote look like that you just described? Okay, you get your ballot paper, and then it's just a piece of paper with all the names of uh, whoever's representing, who wants to represent, whether it's National Labor, um, whoever. And from corner to corner, you put a blue ink cross, and it's classed as an informal vote. That means you're voting against the whole lot. So if it's counted up uh, at the end of that process that they have more informal votes than we do have votes, everyone that put their names to those pal- uh, ballot papers is gone, is finished, they're out. So we don't have to muck around, um, uh, you know, with all the hassles we've got at the moment. We could have one clean sweep. That's what I'd like to see. Uh, you know, fresh elections, new faces. Uh, the whole system we've got here is corrupt. You know, that, it, it's so corrupt. And um, uh, uh, people just follow, continually follow this uh, two-party line, and they're too scared to get outside of it. You know, where so, uh, it's called education too. So, um, matter of educating people, I suppose. You know, but I think the day overall was—I I quite enjoyed it. You know, it was very good, nice and peaceful. <laughs> and so, so where did you come from today? Um, I, I was, oh, yesterday I was at Taupo. I travelled from Auckland the day before, stopped off at Taupo, and then I travelled on uh, through yesterday, right in Wellington. So, yeah, right. so I'm staying here for a little while. I've got a few letters to write myself. 
a bit out of business. So, but yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming. Do you have any questions, Hannah? Can't hear you. Muted. Sorry, it was just great to see you again. Um, it must have been nice for you to catch up with familiar faces and be around like-minded people again. Oh, hey, it's terrific to see, you know, same people around, you know, and, and you guys yourself, which are doing a fantastic job as usual. Awesome. awesome. Appreciate you. that. All right. All right. Thanks. Thanks okay. very much. Safe travels. Thank you. He, of course, um, was the um, one of the gentlemen that spoke at a number of the uh, Let's Not Forget Tour events, uh, and that's what it was all about, just Kiwis getting out there, having their say. And, Dana, I have actually never heard of that Blue Cross. I mean, I have heard of people putting in a vote of no confidence or trying to um, – uh, petition the government to actually add a box that says no confidence, but I've actually never heard of that blue cross being done and then if 50% of the population do the same, then it actually basically null and voids the whole election. Um, I That's new information to me. So there you go. Look, we get new information uh, from all walks of life uh, and, of course, probably more truth than we'll get from our own politicians and mainstream media at this point it looks like we've lost dana and calvin at this point and something's happening with our feed so um apologies for that we are on autopilot um our tech um needed to have a bit of a break of course um a lot of work goes in behind the scenes to make these things happen many of you don't realize um we had a comment yesterday from someone asking, why do we still need donations when the tour is finished? Well, uh, you know, we've had a, a had a, had um, a big team down there on the ground today, giving out flyers um, on the cameras, being support crew, and you know, these people all need to be, um, you know, accommodated and need their um, petrol paid for, and uh, you know, have 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 a bit of. Um, support so that's what you guys do you guys are helping um our reporters and our team get to events like this um of course the ferry crossing as well so you know we don't like asking for donations but if you do like what we've done we really do need your support we are saying if you can give as little as two dollars a week uh just uh, just a two dollar a week ap imagine if our thousands and thousands of um, supporters did that it would actually just change this whole operation um, and we may actually be able to set up a studio okay somebody is saying that I do not have to justify this Hannah we know how much it takes you can't do this for free so thank you Kay for understanding that I will see if there's anyone else that wants to make a comment and wants me to read it out go and jump on the counterspin media chat on telegram um, and do please try and get new people onto Telegram. There's some really weird stuff happening on that platform at the moment. It is supposed to be one of those uncensored platforms, but for a long time our um, support has just plateaued and actually we've been dropping supporters by the hundreds, which is very, very unusual. And I did a bit of research and there are other people out there saying that Telegram is now removing subscribers. Now this, of course, is 
normal practice for places like Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, but I didn't know that this was now happening on Telegram also. So we are working really hard to update our website. Uh, we are looking at putting you know headline news there from international sources that we trust um, and, of course, Kiwi uh, no, local national stories as well. We're working on that. We are working on... Um, a form where you can fill out your COVID casualty because we do want you guys still to be able to tell your stories. We cannot take our foot off the gas when it comes to this. We all need to be able to get these stories out. Of course, Paula Penfold, unable to do that, apparently. Uh, she said that now is not the time. She said that eventually, yes, we'll be able to look back at the COVID response and reflect on the mistakes that were made and where we went wrong. But now is not the time. And that was in response to, of course, their hit piece, fire and fury uh with you know paula penfold saying that um basically anyone that is like us that's uh speaking the truth and wanting to be a messenger of truth that we are far right uh white supremacists basically alt-right um i wonder if i can actually just pin myself so that i don't do that um jiggly Okay, sorry guys. I, I'm not. I'm not sure if you can see that um, going out, zooming in like that. I'm really sorry about that. That little glitch there. Um, but yeah, maybe if you just want to listen to the audio, I'll keep talking until we get some more feeds from the people on the ground. Um, yeah, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, just about Paula Penfold, yes, and her um, fire and free. Uh, fire and fury documentary and just just the lack of evidence the lack of experts the lack of discussion that they had in there rather making it a complete ad hominem attack piece trying to associate all the uh freedom truth tellers with um comments made on social media you know and and people are getting really frustrated and people are saying things out of frustration uh, and they don't necessarily mean it and people have not incited this they are not doing these types of things that they were saying so you know and we have laws uh, against hate speech and we have laws against um, incitement of violence or initiating violence so these new hate speech laws that the Labour Party wants to bring in I might add before uh, the next election is purely to stop people uh, like us telling the truth and they will say that it is to stop um, harm against different groups different minority groups but in fact we know that this is to stop the truth getting out and of course then they'll call us conspiracy theorists but we know that there is now only six weeks between a conspiracy theory becoming a conspiracy fact. And New Zealanders are waking up. And Paula Penfold and, and Stuff Circuit and that lot have done the New Zealand Truth Movement a massive favour with, of course, Chantelle Baker getting um, a show offered to her on the platform, which is great news because uh, she will be able to deliver aspects of the truth to a wider audience. And after, after all, we do want as many people to hear the truth as possible. So, and Calvin, of course, also being interviewed by Michael Laws. Um, and somebody sent me a text saying today that I was going to be interviewed by Michael Laws. Nope, I can tell you that um, I've already had my interview with Michael Laws and we were supposed to talk about toxic feminism. And that was what I um, had, you know, spoken to the producer about and that's what, what was going to be the topic of discussion. And of course, I got blindsided. And hey, you know, I wasn't necessarily as quick as Calvin, but I think I had my own and I kept my cool because he actually, he was a bit harder on me than he was on Calvin. It was really funny. Um, and he is, of course, one of the toughest talkback 
uh, hosts in the country. So I don't know if our tech can hear us. Maybe he can come and set up um, that pin on me or just stop that that um, that page doing that because it's it's irritating me and I'm sure it's irritating the vo- um, the viewers. So uh, do forgive our um, tech side of things at the moment. Now I'm going to just check the chat if there's anybody that has got some um, comments they want read out. Do put them in the chat. Uh, so Christopher says, I couldn't be more happy to be wrong about the tone of the event. Well done, Brian, and well done, Counterspin. We're looking at the beginning of the real choice of opposition party to the purple one. A longer event with a few more charges thrown on top would be awesome if there's another one. After sentencing the parties, you could ask the court to leave it via a walkway with a red and blue party logos on the floor to symbolize that New Zealand is through with the current lot yes good point there could be maybe a bit more theater couldn't there about um maybe we could hold a memorial for um the Labour Party and the National Party because at this point um we're calling the National Party Ninos national in name only they are far more to the left now than they ever have been to the point where they're calling them the center right party and, of course, they brought Labour more towards the centre, calling them the centre-left party. So the difference between those two ruling parties is very minuscule, as most of you know. Um, what else are you guys saying in the chat? You're saying, well done, team got there and coverage was great. That is one crying in the wilderness. Yes, there was a lot of um, tech issues yesterday. Of course, anybody who tried to tune in for the live show, um, we were very, very disappointed that the – Tech Gremlins just did not give us a break. We just couldn't even get the live stream out. It was just so disappointing. We did the whole show, however, so it has been recorded. We had the Australian Senator on, Malcolm Roberts, and, of course, we had um, Maria Z from Z Media as well. Two just amazing, phenomenal human beings over there in Australia who have been saying it like it is, and we really need our own Malcolm Roberts over here in New Zealand. So, therefore, Dr. Sharma, it is, uh, you know, I feel like you are the hope for the freedom movement right now. You have called out the bullying to their faces through mainstream media. You've done a brave thing that the Labour Party not giving you due process, not giving you that investigation that you wanted into the whip and uh, the chief whip and, and, and the bullying coming from his office. Now, this is this is a serious accusation uh, given the fact that Jacinda Ardern has been preaching from the podium of truth about uh, the fact that everybody needs to be kind and they are the most transparent government and of course it coming out um, this week as well. I did see a a text message from Kitty Tapu Allen floating around. Now again I don't know how true that is or if it's been verified but um, it certainly does match what Dr. um, Sharma was saying in regards to the Official Information Act requests and that the government, uh, the Labour Party was actually um, taking, you know, training seminars on how to avoid putting things in writing that could be um, found by journalists or uh, the public under the Official official Information Act request. Now, I've just got... um, Dana asking if we are still live, so hopefully she can still jump on. Um, maybe she's got somebody there with her that we can um, talk to. Uh, I will just now see also if I am going to be able to let her in. Um, 
So, yeah, of course, the official information at request process um, definitely being used to their advantage and, and just actually really disappointing um, that, you know, they are actively obfuscating information from the New Zealand public and they know what they're doing. Um, and that that flies in the face of exactly what the government campaigned on to be the most transparent government and um, to tell the truth. And that's that's hypocrisy, isn't it? Um, and I think I I personally think that Jacinda Ardern is at her weakest. I don't think she's ever been this weak. Um, it's it's been amazing as well reading some of the media reports saying that of course Jacinda Ardern would not uh, do an investigation and rightly so, using all these words to back her. When here is a man um, who is accusing some of the highest uh, members of the Labour Party, the Labour caucus, of actually, um, yeah, sorry, it is glitchy, isn't it, for you all, um, of bullying, and it's not being investigated. You know, apparently Dr. Sharm for a year and a half has been trying to get an investigation or trying to raise awareness about the fact that he had staff members that were not fulfilling the brief, basically. They were not able to do their job. And it's from his account, the way he's portrayed it, it's all been turned back on him and his um, leaders were telling him, basically, that the um, it's up to him to sort out his stuff and um that he's a terrible MP. Apparently that is what um Karen McNulty has been reportedly has been reported uh, as saying to Dr. Sharma and you know just using manipulation tactics, letting him wait, calling him to meetings, not turning up, uh things like that. And I can imagine that would have been quite difficult to deal with. And look, politics is a nasty game. Um I have only had very minor, a minor experience with it in terms of politics on a student level, um, and yeah, it's not my cup of tea. I certainly don't like that environment um, where you know even even at the student level they were taking down opposition flies and banners and overspending when you know we were all supposed to have a set amount for our campaigns and things like that. So. Um, yeah, it certainly takes someone with a thick skin. Um, and, of course, we had Chloe Schwarbrick talking about how uh, toxic it was. And um, that was a shame because she actually, you know, had a documentary made about it. This is this is the point I'm trying to make, is that she's had now, and they've now commissioned a second documentary, which I believe... Has is spending over two hundred thousand dollars of your taxpayer money, and um, for what? For what is it, are, are we looking at? Chloe Schwarbrick now being groomed. See that this is how I look. You know, she's. Not, I believe that there was some leadership debates going on recently within the Green Party between. James Shaw and Chloe Schraubrick and a few others 
Chloe Schraubach choosing not to take part in that. Now we've got another national election coming up next year, um, potentially at the latest early 2024. So if she's not going to contest the Green Party leadership at this point, maybe in four years' time for the for the next election after that. So are they looking at potentially Chloe Schraubrick, um after nationals got in? Because I do believe that the next election will be national. And um, just in, a res- in response to what's happened today, of course, if you're just joining us or if you didn't quite catch it early on, Brian Tamaki from um, the Freedom Rights Coalition announcing uh, the names of the umbrella of the parties that will be joining the umbrella party that is of course the new nation party vision party and outdoors and freedom party so three parties so far have according to him more or less confirmed um the outdoors party with sue gray still apparently needing to sign the paperwork or giving it their final approval but it looks like from his view that they are standing but um i said a few months ago on the show I said that the freedom movement is growing so strong and we are becoming a serious force, a serious political force. The um, the great river of filth is getting stronger and stronger and we will be a serious threat to the establishment parties. And when I say establishment, it's literally every single party in there right now because they all vote ultimately in the same direction as um, the establishment wants them to go, which is towards a United Nations um, totalitarian dictatorship. Let's call it what it is, or a or a totalitarian bureaucratic, um, yeah, bureaucratic totalitarianism. This is where they're going. They will try to um, they will try to create such disillusionment with politics that we don't find the point in voting anymore but I believe that if we can get um, a refresh of the democracy you know and refresh of the bureaucracy and if we have genuinely good people in um, not only polit- political parties and those um, seats around the country but also in the bureaucracy then you know we really can be um, a country run by the people for the people and of course just really slim down a lot of that spending and 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 just bring it back to the local put more emphasis on localized um governance which is what they're trying to take away of course with the Auckland super city and um and now they are doing that with district plans all around the country they are amalgamating different council districts so they all come under the same district plan and that is part of the UN agenda to literally um divide this country into districts they've done that in the US as well and then they will um, have the, you know, World Health Organization and the dictates coming from the main um, UN agenda or the UN, the UN, um, the UN uh, different departments within the UN. Um, so we've just had a message 
um, that someone has put in the chat that has sent through. In keeping with our discussion, this is from Voices for Freedom, um, if people were wondering where they were. In keeping with our decision shared with you last month regarding the Freedom Rights Coalition marches, Voices for Freedom will not be involved in these events. Given the nature of what is planned, we trust you understand it would be inappropriate to use VFF signs and no VFF signs are authorised to be used. While you are welcome to do as you wish in your personal capacity and we support Kiwis standing up and speaking out, this includes our supporters who have attended many third-party events, we do not consider the upcoming convoy and protest at Parliament an effective strategy to reach the people who have identified um, need to be reached, who we have identified need to be reached by VFF. Okay, so there you go. There it's in black and white. Um, I suppose... VFF, you know, they have taken a very narrow path in terms of their strategy and their approach. Um, and they, they were very much behind the last convoy and getting their, um, that big stand in Wellington. Um, very much willing to take credit for that um, and, you know, putting their resources into that event. So it's, I suppose, what we saw up and down the country is that um, people want unity. They do, um, and people want to be able to have freedom to associate. Um, but you know, I see—I mean, I see their strategy. I think they had um, who did they have come out? The radio host uh, Peter Williams. He came out recently and um, did a support video for VFF. So you know, they are getting that kind of what they like to call the wobbly middle. Um, yes, and and then you've got Counterspin to come. Uh, the next stage so um once you've gone through the wobbly middle stage and you're feeling solid in your um understanding of truth and you want some more truth then that's when you know there's um <laughs> groups like counterspin and many other amazing alternative media platforms that will uh talk and give you other options so again i'm not sure what's happening with our tech now but um hopefully the audio is coming through. I don't. I'm. I'm kind of waiting for other others to jump back on. Um. So Calvin's phone has gone flat. Um. That might might mean that our tech is back in. Uh, because it seems to have calmed down. What does Sean Plunkett say? Just back from the Tamaki rally at Parliament. Didn't see a single Nazi. Well, there you go. Uh, Sean Plunkett's confirming. For any of you out there who have, may have had your doubts, not a single Nazi at the um, Freedom and Rights event this afternoon. And yes, like Calvin said, it was very positive, very peaceful and just amazing. And I think I think um, everyone did great. They kept their cool. They didn't give the media, from what we could see, any excuse to do any major hit pieces uh, and I do actually might bring this opportunity up um, I'm writing a little article on this and I hope to get it out soon but um, you will remember Ali who featured in Fire and Fury a lovely woman um, now she sent me through um, her exchange with Paula Penfold because of course Paula Penfold was the main journalist and the main um, the main reporter researcher for that documentary so I might actually put some of these up as well um you know she's she she's very very 
warm and open towards Ali. How are you doing? Just checking in with the people we met at the protest because, of course, they interviewed them down at the protest and then caught up with them again in their home. And Ali actually only ended up agreeing to the second interview because um, someone who she respected within the freedom movement said that Paula Penfold wouldn't do the dirty on her. Um, and, of course, Ali very disappointed the way that she was portrayed in the end in that documentary. And Paula Penfold actually does deserve to be called out because she was very good um, with doing interviews around the HPV virus, um, vaccine and the negative side effects there. But for some reason, it's just not time as she said in a recent podcast on YouTube, it's not time to talk about these stories. And we didn't do, we didn't tell the story that Ellie would have liked us to tell. So she knowingly misrepresented what Ellie wanted to be told. Okay, now, at least Ellie got her right of reply and she got a chance to um, kind of redeem herself and had she wanted to, had she um, kind of been misrepresented at the protest, because, of course, Paula Penfold tried to say that because Ellie was there, that she basically was responsible for everyone else's behaviour and everyone else's words. And, of course, we can't be, can we? We can only be responsible ultimately for ourselves and the actions and the, and the words that we take. So um, Ellie at least got the opportunity to sit down and and have a right of reply and Ali so graciously like all of us if we had we been given the opportunity wanted to talk about the vaccine injuries wanted to talk about the censorship of the New Zealand doctors speaking out of science and all of those medical professionals who have lost their job because either they spoke out and they got hauled up in front of the medical council or they just didn't want to take part in this experimental gene therapy and therefore lost um you know lost lost a career that they would have worked hard for and I mean we all know how long it takes uh to get qualified to be a doctor and the amount of money that you put in and the amount of hours that you put in I mean it's not not an easy um, career path so I can understand in some ways why these doctors are so reluctant to speak out but that's the whole point isn't it they are not allowed to say and talk about the science that they have which contradicts the science that the government has. Um, so Paula gave Ellie the chance to have a follow-up interview. And she, you know, she says, Hi Ellie, how are you doing? Just checking in with people we met at the protest to see how you're feeling about everything. We'd really like to come to the bay to follow up to do a follow-up chat with um with you to ask about what you felt the protest achieved and whether your concerns remain. I'd love to come and do that next week if possible. So there she, she's she's asking Ellie to share her concerns with her. And of course, Ellie replies, Paula, hi Paula, I have, I'll have a talk with Val. This is the other woman that featured. But the one, the ones you re who really deserve an interview are the vaccine injured. They are meeting today in Wellington. We'll try and hunt out a link for you. And of course, she puts in the silent no more link. And that is Anna Hodgkinson's um Anna Hodgkinson's page where she is creating a hub for vaccine injured. And of course, it will be a charity where people can donate and they will be able to get information on all the medical side of things, all the, the different alternative media platforms, all the different therapies that they can get 
So she's doing really great work. And that's, of course, as a result of her own daughter, Anna Hodgkinson, um, being injured by this experimental gene therapy. So Paula replies, hi, Ali. Yes, please do have a talk to Val. I'm keen to speak with you both. It'd be great to to follow up with you, with the ordinary people who were there. Shouldn't bother following up with ordinary people like me. I'm an ordinary person. You know, Calvin's ordinary. Or the other um, people that got slammed in that documentary, Ordinary, what, what makes us so unusual? I mean, Paula would like to say, oh, we're somehow benefiting from this whole standing up and telling the truth. You, Paula, like, I don't know what your threshold of benefiting is, but having your reputation destroyed, having a loss of income, having a loss of home, having a loss of friends, family, like they're, they're, like if you're talking monetary value, there is no benefit, okay? There is no benefit. We are very grateful for the donations we get from the Kiwi public to just kind of limp along and get by, but we are not making money from this. This has cost us money. This has cost us everything, that every little bit that we had. So, um, I just, I just find these people just, they're so out of touch with reality. Like if you, I mean, I've got no idea what Paula Penfold would be on at this point, but you know, these, these mainstream media people, they, then they make good money. So, I mean, she's the one that's profiting off misinformation. She is the misinformation agent here and they are just completely projecting and absolutely, um, twisting things and it's 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 just absolutely insane but she says um it'd be great to do the follow-up with ordinary people it's part of what's interesting about this that it's reaching so many people thanks for that link too so you can see she's just really um you know she she's really amicable and she just kind of wants to go along with with Ellie and just be really interested and say yes we want to hear your concerns and appreciate that and then Ali says I do hope you go meet some of them the vaccine injured are the are one of the many reasons why we went to Wellington and that's the truth that is the truth for I, I would say pretty much a hundred percent of the people that were there they they understand what's happening with the vaccine and they understand what's happening with mandates and they believe that there should have been more disclosure about the effects. And from our traveling around the country, every single, pretty more or less, um, definitely the majority of people that were coming to our events knew at least one person that had been vaccine injured. So the, this is coming at us. It's a freight train coming at us 100 miles an hour. And the mainstream is sticking their heads in the sand and um yeah so anyway I'll carry on with this so Paula says thanks Ellie that's the kind of thing I'm keen to hear what most worries you very conciliatory very very yes very understanding let me know when you have had a chat to Val and hopefully we can make a plan to come and visit have a good day then she doesn't hear anything from Ellie because at this point I think it was when Ellie actually had had doubts. <clears throat> so then Paula reaches out again. Hi, Ellie. How are you doing? Did you have a chat to Val? She is happy for us to come and see her on Tuesday. Be good to see you too. So yeah, this, this, sorry, excuse me. Yes, this is where um, Ellie says, hi, sorry, had a busy couple of days plus mulling over everything. Did you get a chance to interview some of the vaccine injured? 
Paula says, no problem. It's good to mull things over. Is there anything in particular you are thinking about? No, we haven't spoken to the vaccine injured. So, I mean, she's acknowledging that there are vaccine injured. I had a look at that link you sent through with the videos. Thank you. Also looking at some of the health forum stuff from Linda Wharton. So there you go. Paula is looking at the information and she's actively choosing not to put it out. Then Ali says, hi Paula, I have had a good think about the interview. Sorry, after reading some of your articles, I don't have peace about doing an interview, so I will have to decline. And I'm sure all of you can understand that. Um, it's very rare, as we can see, that journalists are actually up, have, have integrity and are honest and um, have respect for the, the, their subjects, the people that they interview. And, and this is the problem with journalism in this country. They have their own agenda. And you can literally see it playing out here in these text messages. Paula comes back. Hi, Ali. Well, thanks for considering it. I did think, after seeing some of your Facebook posts, that this might be your decision. One thing I would say is that even though our views on some things might be different, I I am fair. Now, what do you think, lovely Counterspin Media audience? If you have watched uh, Fire and Fury, a.k.a. Fizz, Fizzle and Flop, you will remember Ali and Val. Uh, they tried to p portray them as, you know, basically a couple of crazy elderly women that had slipped down the rabbit hole and were now associating with violent extremists. Yeah, those two women who were lovely and just well-spoken. So those two have, um, have were, they, were they represented fairly? Paula is claiming that she's fair. Ali is telling her clearly that I would like to talk about the vaccine injured and the censored doctors and the scientists that haven't that have been shut down and Paula is saying she'll be fair. Was she represented fairly in the documentary, do you think? So she says, I am fair. You could ask Simon O'Connor about that. Okay, I don't actually know what work Paula has done with Simon O'Connor or on Simon O'Connor, but maybe some of you um, can enlighten me in the counterspin chat she goes on to say and i am genuinely interested in finding out more about why you feel so strongly that you were at the protest what has happened since and what you want to see happening next so if you change your mind so if you have a change of mind i would love to hear from you Thanks, Paula. Wow. I just think journalists like Paula need to do some serious self-reflection. You've got a woman there who is seriously concerned about vaccine injuries. That is her priority, is telling that story. She's worried about them. She's had her own battles with her own family and and you know she can she wants to come on the show Ali wants to come on the show and, and tell us about that at some point and here you are Paula saying that you're genuinely interested you're fair she can ask Simon O'Connor to back that up and you were anything but fair 
anything but fair. There is nobody in this country that is saying that that was a balanced piece of journalism. So then Ali goes on to say, hi Paula, I talked to dot dot dot, insert trusted freedom member here, at a meeting last night and she said you had done a few good articles and were one of the better reporters. I was reluctant to do the interview as I have seen firsthand how reporters have twisted events to suit a narrative. With this person's recommendation, I have changed my mind. If you are still interested, I'm sorry for mucking you around. Understand if it's too late. Regards, Ali. So, of course, now Ali's feeling a little bit more confident because somebody else has recommended Paula Penfold. And I'm just going to check to see if anyone else is coming on. Um, okay, so Calvin's phone died. Um, okay, so and Dana, Dana's not coming back on at this point either. I just want to get through these text messages because I really think this is important for you guys to actually get a bit of a behind the curtain kind of look at how sneaky these journalists are and I, I think that's sneaky I think it's sneaky I think um, you know if you want to have integrity as a journalist and you're dealing with you know people's personal choices and their personal opinions um, that they actually deserve to be told genuinely and Without, without the slander and without the skewing and without the, you know. Look, I, I would be happy to talk to anybody who has a differing ideological opinion to me or who has um, their point of view and if they want to bring their facts and evidence. Like, I, I want to talk to you. I don't want to um, misrepresent you. And I suppose the reason why we could be perceived as going quite hard on the powers that be is because they deserve to be held accountable. Someone like this, a Kiwi woman who is simply trying to live her life and wants freedom for others and wants these vaccine injuries investigated and wants doctors to be able to speak out, that's not somebody you do this to, Paula. So I'm just going to quickly say this. So Paula says, Hi, Ali. Thanks so much for reconsidering and for taking the time to talk with blah, blah, blah. That's really good of you. And you haven't been, you haven't mucked me around at all. I respect that you've given it thorough consideration and I'm really pleased you've decided to say yes. I understand that it feels like a big leap of faith. That's because it is. So there you go. She admits it's a big leap of faith. And Paula, you have taken advantage of this beautiful Kiwi woman who simply wanted to tell you her concerns, you ignored her concerns and you tried to paint her as a radical and you should be ashamed of yourself. Absolutely disgusting. Um, I understand it's a big leaf of faith and that's because it is, but I think it will be really helpful to hear from you and understand your concerns in a better forum than the heat of that day. So see, there she's giving her a chance to be clear about why she was there rather than getting caught up in the heat of the moment and because Ellie did tell the media to go away um you know she wasn't part of any sort of inciting crowd or anything like that 
what works for you in terms of timing and then yeah they kind of work out their timing and they end up I think going and doing it together with with Val um Louisa Cleaver had been dealing with Val and so Paula says whatever works best for you is good with us Louisa has been talking to Val so I'm not sure what they've arranged where they've arranged but if you're happy to go there that's great and then she says Val is ringing yep uh, spoken to Val that's great and then hi Ellie just letting you know that our documentary oh so this is this is the last this is the, this is so they've done the interview they say hi Ellie that sounds great we'll meet up they do the interview the second one um at Val's place and then then on the 12th of August Paula sends Ellie this message hi Ellie just letting you know that our documentary will be published on Sunday and there's an opinion piece out tomorrow. Thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed. That was good of you. I hope you're well, Paula. Wow. And that's... That's a snake. She didn't even say, look, she didn't even give her a heads up. You may not be quite happy. We didn't quite tell the story that you wanted told. But that's because Paula doesn't care. Paula doesn't care about Ellie and her feelings and her concerns and her worries and why she was there in Wellington. She just cares about telling a narrative and creating a slant on that documentary. She didn't reach out to me for comment. She didn't reach out to Calvin. She didn't reach out to any of the other prominent freedom lovers in her documentary she let our words do the talking but you know what the point is is that her audience uh, and because she her argument was well they all have their own platforms they all get their own say so they didn't need a right of reply the problem with that Paula is that your audience where you played that documentary doesn't watch our platforms why one because they don't know where to find us uh, and two, because it's not convenient, we're, we're shadow banned on Facebook. You can type in Counterspin, you won't find us. We've just been deleted off Instagram. Um, you know, all those people in that documentary have had social media accounts wiped. Websites have to be built in a certain way so they have enough layers of security because they keep getting attacked. We've had so many attacks on our website. It's not even funny. We don't even know. We can, we've lost count. So you can't just go and build a WordPress page or, you know, a basic website um, and expect it to stay up because they put pressure on all these different companies. So anyway, there's an insight into Paula Penfold, um, a senior New Zealand reporter. She's not just, you know, new and green. She's a senior, well-seasoned reporter who has previously in the past reported on vaccine injuries when it came to H uh, HPV vaccine for young girls. And now she knows that this vaccine injury story is major and she is choosing to ignore it. And she chose to misrepresent a woman who trusted her, who opened up her heart, who allowed her into her personal space. And the mainstream media wonders why New Zealanders are angry with the mainstream media. Well, maybe that should have been your starting point. And maybe you should have listened to the, the sources that they were where they were getting their information from. New Zealand Doctor Speaking Out with Science, Linda Wharton, Silent No More, 
Voices for Freedom, all these wonderful groups that have tirelessly worked hard to bring all these expert voices together from around the country and around the world. But you chose to ignore that whole story and make that documentary about slandering people. And it's, I just, you cannot be surprised that the, that the New Zealand public is losing faith in you. According to a recent AUT study, 45% of New Zealanders still trust mainstream media. It's probably a lot lower. And they're trying to find platforms like Counterspin. So share this link with your friends far and wide. Please do encourage your friends to sign up to the Telegram page, the website if you'd like to donate. Um, and if you've got any stories, info at counterspinmedia.com. If you want to be a whistleblower, we would love some whistleblowers from the um, from the Beehive. We've apparently you guys are watching us there. So we'd love you to come and just anonymously blow the whistle. We can distort your voice. We can hide your face. We will have integrity. We will not release uh, your identity. Dr. Sharma, if you want to have a chat with us, if there's anything else you want to send our way that mainstream media won't release, we will happily do that. Um, anyone in the medical profession, anybody in policy development, look, we need to get this out and... Um, it's you guys, the whistleblowers, who are going to have testimony that will shock this country. So when you're ready, please do reach out, info at counterspinmedia.com. You can absolutely be anonymous. Of course, we will verify who you are and what you claim, but we will not um, release our sources as much as Michael Laws tried to get me to do <laughs> when I went on his show. But anyway... Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and watching. It looks like our little technical glitch kind of calmed down a little bit. Um, what is the time? The time is now 3 o'clock. Apparently, we had um, 4,000 you, of you on the stream um, just recently. So, I mean, I'd, I'm quite happy to go on. I, I actually quite – you know what I want to do? I, I really want to do talk back. And um, we do have some people working on that. Uh but, you know, it's just another big kind of thing to organize. But I, I would love to do a talkback show one day. Um, I would love to have you guys ringing in and telling me your opinion um, and telling me your thoughts. And just, you know, the other, the other thing we're working on is the Awakening View because we want to really start focusing on other aspects to this unveiling of truth. And, of course, we... You know, anyone who's been a long-time Counterspin viewer knows about this bioweapon they like to call the, the vaccine and you know about the COVID um, scam. And someone did actually uh, want me to to just highlight the point that 29,000 people are being affected by this bioweapon every day around the world. And as Calvin always says, let's show the unredacted Pfizer contract. And we would like to say thank you, a huge, huge thank you to Napoleon Bush for getting us an amazing trailer billboard, double-sided billboard with a triangle on the back. And we can't wait for um, that to go live. Uh, I don't know if I should tell you guys what it says on it yet. I think maybe not. Maybe we'll leave that as a little surprise. But thank you to those of you who have sponsored um, the printing of the wraps as well, because that is amazing. Without you, we couldn't do that. Thank you to Kim, our amazing designer, for putting that all together. Um, you know, we, we don't have an advertising budget, but we are so thrilled that Napoleon Bush has um, offered to let us use his trailer 
and it will be a rolling billboard around Auckland and any freedom events. Look, if you've got a um, vehicle that can tow a trailer and you want to do some advertising counter spin during rush hour traffic, maybe uh, we can liaise with uh, Napoleon. And um, if you're a trusted person and you can be trusted to bring the trailer back um, in one piece, then hey, let's 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 get uh, let's get you in touch with us. Info at counterspinmedia.com. We need to get that billboard rolling. Um, you know, of course, Voices of Freedom had a lot of trouble getting their billboards put up, but uh, we, we're we going to do a rolling one. So rush our traffic, Auckland, or on a weekend in, you know, busy, busy Mission Bay or any big events, summer is coming up. Um, and if you've got a trailer, and, and we actually had an amazing couple down in Picton who, who did their own counterspin media billboard on their trailer. So we, what we're going to do is actually we're going to make those that artwork available it's another thing we need to do on our website. So you can download it and you can actually get it printed out yourself. I think this particular design was six meters by three meters. But if you need us to change that, we could potentially do that. We could do a few signs. You could print it out, put it on a, put it on a, just on a, on a placard outside your home or um, on your farm. Um, if you've got space anywhere on private property, uh, then let's get this counterspin billboard up because the truth will out and we are New Zealand's media revolution. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that um, release the unredacted Pfizer contract is what Calvin, you know, really um, wants us to keep pushing because why haven't they released the unredacted Pfizer contract? The Labour government is supposed to be the most transparent government after all. Um, and of course we know, we know why. Um, because if it's anything like Australia, then maybe they've got seven jabs lined up per person. Uh, and of course, not a single cell of the SARS-CoV-2 has ever been produced. It is computer modelling, very much like climate change. Um, and you just need to go to Dr. Kaufman, Dr. Cowan, Dr. Sam and Mark Bailey and that group of doctors. And of course, um, we had, um, oh, now her name's going to escape me, but um, Dr. Pamina Wa. I think hopefully I've pronounced that right, W-A-G-H. Um, she is a virologist and a, um, a virologist and she's got another PhD. Sorry, my brain is starting to slow down. Um, but, of course, they really questioned a lot and, and she even questioned the CDC, produce the actual um, purified virus for me and they haven't been able to do it and they, all the official information act requests from all the governments all around the world have all come back with the same they've come back with this computer modeling so they have really built a narrative around fake science um, and anyone who dares to do enough research will see that uh, same with climate change so that is what I wanted to say and I did want um, to say a special shout out to Amelia and Steve. Our thoughts are with you during this difficult time. Um, of course, Steve also has his court case coming up in September uh, there in the Hawke's Bay to stand up against this police brutality. And like we said earlier on the show, Chris Hipkins uh, in 2009 was compensated $5,000 uh, for the... Um, for the you know, when he was trespassed from Parliament grounds 12 years earlier for protesting as a student and he got he got compensated $5,000. So I say, hang on in there, all you 
Now, again, I think it's 160 of you, I think, that got that got arrested and trespassed from Wellington um, earlier in the year. Now, I think you all need to hang in there, keep networking, stay together and get your case ready because it was unlawful what they did. Um, <clears throat> now, we've just had a message in saying that there's a guy asking me if we had been approached by Antifa groups, just a nutter gone by assaulting us, probably mentally ill. He had been threatened by two guys told him to contact us via email okay so that's one of our team so yeah if you've got a story from today if you were approached by antifa the um counter protest down there that tried to drown the thousands and thousands of freedom lovers out then um yeah give us give us a call and it it, it is like what calvin and farmer james are talking about the irony of these people calling themselves anti-fascists and that yet they are the ones that want medical fascism you don't even have a choice if you want to go to work you have to be vaccinated if you want to go to work you have to be wearing a mask if you want to go to the library you have to be vaccinated wearing a mask if you want to take part in civil society you must be vaccinated against your will if you want to be part of a normal life how utterly utterly hypocritical and atrocious and that people in parliament cannot even see that and that they have brainwashed and conditioned the public to become to become masked nazis you know i talk to people on a regular basis who are just absolutely over it they are distraught they've had enough they are so upset that they have been isolated and vilified and um not able to go to Christmases, not able to go and see their newborn grandchildren, not able to go and be a part of normal life with their families and friends, all because they have been terrorised by this government into thinking that this vaccine is this is a saviour to a pandemic that never eventuated. And people like Paula Penfold know that something has gone drastically wrong with the lockdowns. It has destroyed businesses. It has had destroyed families. It has destroyed people, their level of mental illness, the skyrocketing suicide rates, the destruction of our fire service, our health service, our education system is just, students don't want to go to school anymore. They, you know, I saw a terrible, terrible video the other day of a young girl in America being caught by what looked like their own kind of security camera on their door, just absolutely distraught that she did not want to wear the mask. She, It was just heartbreaking. And all these two-year-olds now, two-and-a-half-year-olds that were born into this that have only ever seen strangers wearing masks, no smiles. It's cold. It's a cold, cold world that these children are being born into and they can't even, you know, the speech delays and the development um, delays are just, they're going to cause serious problems to this next generation. And if people like Paula Penfold and Jacinda Ardern think it was worth it, if you can hand on heart sit there and say that measures were worth it, then you have not talked to enough of those people that were down on that lawn and you need to start doing that because it is an utter disgrace that you ignored those people and you put up black curtains and you you dared associate them with far-right extremism. 
I honestly think we're still, uh, you know, I wake up, you know, as as much as I have been looking at this information and, and, and for as long as, you know, I've been awake and um, doing this, it, it still just blows me away. I still feel like we're just living in some sort of nightmare and I'm going to wake up soon. So hang in there, everybody. Seriously, I know that um, there's good days and bad days. And hopefully if you were in Wellington today, it was a great day because just being out in the sunshine and around fellow freedom lovers is just so good for the soul. And um, if you didn't make it, hopefully you were around your new freedom loving family. Um, anyway, let's go to uh, a goodbye. I'm just going to sign off. Um, thanks to everybody who contributed. Thanks to everybody who gave us their opinion. Uh, great work to the Freedom Rights Coalition and all the groups out there. Uh, doing great work for our freedom-loving community. You are so amazing. Stay strong. Um, get in touch with us, info at Counterspin Media, if you've got a story to tell us. And please do donate if you can. Counterspinmedia.com. We are so grateful for each and every one of you for your contributions and just sharing the content. Don't forget to share, share, share. So thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, and I thank you for listening to my monologue here. And uh, thanks to the whole team at Counterspin that is making this work. It's really hard on you guys, but you pull it out of the bag every, each and every time. You can find Counterspin, New Zealand's media revolution, at counterspinmedia.com. And now, on the InfoWars Network, at band.video.